And, and afterwards, it was one of those things where you just sit there for a while going, did I just freaking see this? And I, I knew the importance of what I was sitting there watching. And then me and my buddy got uh, got drunker than hell. <laughs> Had to celebrate. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we And now, ladies and gentlemen, Banal of America Audio, with your host, Tim Banal. What is going on, my friends? This is Tim Banal of BanalofAmerica.com, with the return of BOA Audio Season 5 and the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special. It is great to be back. I really... Missed the program quite a bit, but did enjoy my downtime as well. I'm feeling refreshed. I'm looking forward to rolling out a whole plethora of esoteric conversations that we've recorded over the last few weeks for all you great folks out there over the course of the next few weeks and months to come. And we have got something really awesome here for you. This week, as we celebrate the return of BOA Audio, we've got not just the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special, but we've also got a pure esoteric edition of the program coming at you in a couple of days. Yes, it's a double episode week in total, counting the Baseball Special and the pure paranormal edition of BOA Audio. We've got 10 guests for you here in one week. Unbelievable stuff. I'm hugely excited about this and can't wait to unleash the madness on the BOA Audio listeners. Even though the non-baseball fans probably aren't even listening to this right now, I'll preview briefly the pure paranormal edition of the program you'll be hearing in a few short days. Our guests for that program will be Bill and Nancy Burns of UFO Magazine and UFO Hunters fame. I'll give you an in-depth preview of that at the end of the program. Suffice it to say, it is a fun and fast conversation with two major power players in the world of UFO studies. And in addition to Bill and Nancy Burns, we're also going to have a stop-and-chat mini-interview with Micah A. Hanks, talking about his new book, Magic, Mysticism, and the Molecule. So three guests on that upcoming edition of BOA Audio, which you're going to hear in a few short days, and... Here on the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special, you're going to be hearing from seven guests, six esoteric superstars, and one special guest as well. So, the big return of BOA Audio here this week featuring ten guests total over the course of one week, plus the 3D Lost cast. I don't have much to say about that, except for those folks who've been enjoying the Lost cast, you definitely want to tune in this week as we go 3D to celebrate the return of BOA Audio. Now that we got all those plugs out of the way, let me give you a brief preview of what you're going to hear this year on the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special. As I said, seven guests, six of them esoteric superstars, plus a special guest from the BOA Forum. You're going to be hearing from the 2009 BOA Audio Baseball Champion, Lauren Coleman. 
as well as the 08 champion Richard Dolan, plus longtime friends of the program Greg Bishop, Adam Go-Rightly, and Paul Kimball. And we've got a newcomer to the BOA Audio Baseball Special, and he is none other than popular paranormal writer and previous BOA Audio guest Jason Offit. And for our special guest here on this year's festivities, we have got from the official BOA forum, theusofe.com, a poster who goes by the name of Mystery Man. And the reason why we've got Mystery Man here on the program is because when he posted his predictions for the 2009 baseball season, he scored an astounding 7 out of 11, bested all of the esoteric superstars of the 09 baseball special. And I thought that the ultimate reward for such a performance was to invite him to appear on the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special. That brings me to something I do want to plug here before we kick off this year's big event, and that is that much like last year, we've opened up the prediction contest to the denizens of the official BOA forum, the USV.com, and the BOA audio listeners who may just want to enter into the contest via email. Unlike last year, we've added an additional prize to the contest. The winner of the US of E's version of the prediction contest gets an invitation to appear on the 2011 BOA Audio Baseball Special. So the stakes have been raised higher than ever before here for the big prediction contest. So if you are interested in throwing your hat into the ring and trying to win the contest, just go to the official BOA forum, theusofe.com, T-H-E-U-S-O-F-E.com, or just click one of the many links you can find at Banal of America to enter into the contest, or shoot me your picks via email, and I'll post them in the thread so that they are officially counted. I think that takes care of business altogether. I could sit here for a while and preview what you're going to be hearing here on the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special, but that would really take quite a bit of time. It is jam-packed, so there's not much more for me to say here. Obviously, we're going to skew biographies, or else I'd be here all day talking to you. Once again, let me roll through the lineup of guests, and then we'll uh, get down to business. Lauren Coleman, Richard Dolan, Greg Bishop, Adam Go-Rightly, Paul Kimball, Jason Offit, and the USV.com's Mystery Man, seven guests, six esoteric superstars, and our special guest from the BOA Forum. It is the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special, so without any further ado, my friends, let's play ball. These interviews were recorded over the course of about 10 days from March 25th to April 3rd. It's the 2010 Baseball Special on BOA Audio Season 5. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Ladies and gentlemen, we are kicking off the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special with the winner of the 2009 Prediction Contest, Lauren Coleman. Congratulations to him. He narrowly bested Greg Bishop. It was tied, and we had to go to the transposed picks, also known as the Kimball Rule, which resulted in the championship being awarded to Lauren Coleman. Of course, we got to give a shout-out and congrats to 
the U.S. of E's mystery man who beat everybody in the competition with 7 out of 11. He'll be on the show later on. But since Lauren was actually on the baseball special, he's the champion this year. So congratulations, Lauren, the 2009 BOA Audio Baseball Special Champion. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm still waiting for my Red Sox season ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the prize? The prize you promised? No, I'm just kidding. No, it's, it's always a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm glad to do it again. Well, we have a lot to talk about this year. First of all, before we do that, let's plug the museum because you finally got the uh, International Cryptozoology Museum opened up up there in Portland, Maine. So, like, tell people about that so they know what's going on with that. Well, for six years, I had the uh, Cabinet of Curiosities, the International Cryptozoology Museum, in my home, and documentary film companies and researchers and people would make appointments. But the whole thing is that I needed to go public. So, I went public in November. Uh, the first day, even though uh, we did uh, the upfront bookstore didn't have all the, the licenses and gear, I wasn't doing the same thing she was. So I w had 82 visitors from as far away as uh, Baltimore and Boston. And then on the opening, uh, grand opening, we had 300 people. So we've been going along at a really nice clip, especially on Saturdays when the weather's good. And I have a feeling that the uh, tourist season is going to be very nice to us because Portland's, of course, a great great place to visit oh yeah yeah and i was up there uh probably a couple days after the grand opening i had quite a good time so yeah i'm yeah. looking forward to checking it out now that you guys have been up and running for a few months and see how it's evolved uh over the last few months i bet it's even better than it was uh when i first got there because things were still in a transition i remember she was still unpacking the boxes and stuff in the front of the bookstore so yeah well we certainly in the museum we change things about once every three days we had new things like a paranthropus bust or a, a, a giant uh, elephant egg, bird, you know, elephant bird egg, and there's just new exhibits all the time, and we're changing over all of the old bookshelves that we had to move in to glass-fronted uh, display cases, so that, uh, you know, it's just, it's nice to see it slowly evolving, but always changing, because I certainly, one thing I know about cryptozoology, it never is boring to me, so I really try to reflect that in the passion and changes in the museum. Yeah, there was a real sense of excitement up there uh, when I was there this past November. So, like I said, I'm looking forward to making another trip up there this spring, and I hope uh, the BOA Audio listeners who are in the area definitely should check it out as well. And you're there, so it's like, you know, they can bother you with all their cryptozoology questions. So Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but I still close at 6 o'clock so I can uh, get home and watch the Red Sox when they have an evening game. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I have a feeling, yeah, and I have a feeling the radio will be on uh, during the day games this year. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. All right, so we have a lot to talk about, the Red Sox. Lo big shakeups this year. As I was saying to my brother uh, back in November, before the offseason started, it was like they were tenuous at best in a whole bunch of different positions, and now they've, they're starting the season with a new third baseman, a new shortstop, a new center fielder. Uh, they moved... Ellsbury to left field, so it's quite a shakeup, and obviously a new starting pitcher in John Lackey, and also uh, uh, Victor Martinez for the full season. So it's like practically a whole new team in a lot of ways, or at least uh, a big part of the core has changed. How are you feeling uh, about the team, you know, as the season's about to begin? Well, I, I'm always very happy with the Red Sox, and they seem to make intelligent choices. You know, if we are to believe what they're saying. They really wanted to strengthen their defense. They wanted to strengthen their pitching, and I think they did that. The worry, of course, across the Red Sox nation is, is there enough hitting? Yeah. And uh, we've certainly seen that Ortiz is 
coming back a little bit in spring training. He's hitting the long balls, and so that's giving hope to people. But I still, still, you know, I'm somewhat cautious. I think you know you don't live and breathe a Red Sox uh, ball games without being cautious all the time. And you know, to see Dice Case having problems already with his back and his neck, and you know, and stuff like that. You know, Wakefield's going to be in the starting rotation. It's just, it's interesting. I, I think still they they do have, if they're all healthy, the the best starting rotation in baseball. Absolutely, for sure. I'll be interested to see yeah. how the bullpen shakes out because I haven't heard too much about it, but I know they lost a couple of key parts of the bullpen. But well, well, if you you look at the recent stuff. You know, they've got Embry back, and he's, he gave up, like, three earned runs in a half inning or something. I mean, a very, very, uh, you know, kind of uh, shaky about their bullpen. Yeah. Let's hope let's hope that uh, Bard will come through and be the middle relief. And Papelbaum seems really mean and lean. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you made a big point here that I've noticed, too. It seemed like, um, you know, like at the start of spring training, there was a lot of talk about the lack of Red Sox offense. And then it seems like almost like as if there's been this other, this like PR rebound or push back from certain areas where they're saying, you know, not so fast. Their offense is going to be okay, all this other stuff. So I guess we'll have to wait and see how it how it shakes out. I mean, I haven't watched too many spring training games, but they're hard to gauge anyway because you never know. If you see the final score, you don't know if those runs were scored like in the eighth inning when it was all minor leaguers playing or if it happened at the right. beginning of the game or not. So, And I think there, there's something psychologically going to happen with Ellsbury. You know, to be moved from his position that he loves, the center field to left field, he'll now, Ira, you've seen, he's, he's really kind of becoming a little Ted Williams. He still can steal the bases, but he's going for the occasional home run. And that's kind of interesting if because he's in left field, he's going to think, well, Maybe, you know, Yaz and, and Ted Williams had a good idea out here. I'll just get some home runs, too. Yeah, it seems like he has deceptive power. And I've heard them right. say, like, on the commentary that the Red Sox don't want him to try and hit for power, which seems kind of seems kind of counterintuitive, but I trust their baseball acumen better than mine. So. Right, because he's lead-off. Yeah. yeah, because he's lead-off. They don't want him to just get on base. Now, what about our hated rivals, the Yankees? <laughs> Well, I think the Yankees are definitely, uh, you know, the team to beat in the East. They're still, you know, fully packed and ready to go. Uh, you know, I, I just, I, I don't really put too much emotion in getting angry at them anymore. I really think that we all should really be happy that there is a Derek Jeter in the league, you know, because he certainly is a good baseball player. Kind of, I can hate the Yankees, but I can't hate Derek Jeter. Yeah. And uh, and yet, you know, A-Rod's coming around. He's done his little, uh, I, I've confessed my steroids thing and survived that. So, uh, you know, they seem to be solid. And uh, uh, if you want my choices already about how they're going to come out, I already have, can tell you that or you want to wait till the end. We can get to that in a minute. Okay. I do feel like there's less of a buzz around the Yankees this year, probably because they didn't make all the off-season acquisitions that they did uh, last year feels sort of like business as usual for them. So we'll see if that translates into continued success or, or what. But they did lose, I think, they two key Matsui. parts to the team, uh, Damon and Matsui. So. Right, right. And I think that they'll be sorry about the Matsui loss because I, ha I have a feeling he's going to have a good year. I think so, yeah, yeah. And I think Damon, he's deceptively good, I think. 
So I think they may regret that as well. But I guess that new center fielder they have now is going to be really good too. So right, the guy from Detroit. Yeah, and I think the whole business about Hughes and Joba, you know, Job, is the whole bullpen upset. They seem to have these emotions that are right simmering underneath the the edge, you know, the top, the the bottom, and over at the fringe. And I just have this feeling that there's this emotional part of the Yankees that that the publicity or the Yankees system certainly hides, but it seems to come out towards the end when uh, people start tripping over each other somewhat. Now, were you surprised this year by the Ortiz revelations that came out in July? I was uh, kind of surprised just how it was handled and how it seemed like, uh, you know, in a way he kind of got a pass. And well, it was a little bit better stage managed, I think, than any of these other sort of leaks that we've seen. Yeah, I, I certainly think so. And I think that um, it kind of finally hit a lot of the baseball writers that so quickly came out, uh, you know, to really come down so hard on some of the earlier. I mean, even Mark McGuire uh, and Clemens and people like that, the testimony, I think, was handled very badly in the publicity. And it seems like kind of what we're finally acknowledging among the general public and the media is that a lot of guys were doing this. It was the era. Uh, they were taking things. They were being given things. You know, a lot of them are uh, in, you know, the Caribbean players certainly sometimes seem to have kind of uh, not great advice from some of their doctors and, and handlers. And and maybe we should just kind of consider that this was the era thing and, and really get over it. I do think that it, it is interesting, like Jim Rice getting in the Hall of Fame, uh, that kind of reaction is going to start happening where some of those players, the little old players that were doing kind of pretty good but not, you know, astronomical numbers are going to get in the Hall of Fame because uh, a lot more people were doing steroids than probably people wanted to recognize. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, the winner out of all of this, I think, as far as credibility is Conseco. It's amazing uh, how, you know, he was, uh, you know, ran out of the town on a rail, so to speak, and yet a lot of his revelations are now coming home to roost. Indeed, yeah. He's still kind of a clown, but it's like oh, yeah. you have to... Sure. He's an obnoxious personality, but what he was saying was truthful. Exactly. And, yeah, you're right. They they sort of ran him out at when the first book came out, but everything he said in the book pretty much come true, so... Yeah. I think the Ortiz thing kind of hit home too. The, the whole issue of that list and everything—it's like if they're not going to release the whole list and they don't even know exactly what the people on the list tested for, it's just too—it's just too much of a gray area, really, to get all riled up about. Do you know what I mean? It's like we don't know. Like they said when the Ortiz press conference happened, that they don't even know exactly what he tested for because that's still sealed. So yeah. it's like we—unless we know this kind of stuff. You know, it's not really fair to leak, like, one or two guys' names. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I I was teaching in the 80s uh, at the university, and one of my co-professors who was married to a Brazilian woman, she was all of a sudden, he was getting very old and kind of losing energy, and she was trying to give him this stuff that turned out to be growth hormone. And, you know, I think that a lot of people during the 80s were just experimenting with things, and they, they were kind of on the edge of legality. And especially if you were getting them from uh, South America or Latin America, you just didn't exactly know what you were taking. And so it's I'm not excusing anyone, but uh, it is interesting that all of a sudden after the fact, 
people are kind of being condemned for things that now are illegal. Anything else we should talk about in the current baseball season? You mean for the American East or just in general? Of, in general. Well, in general, about the whole season. Well, I think I think that the big surprises are going to happen in the West. I think that people have kind of written off the West for a long time, especially all of us in the East. But I, I have a feeling that the there's kind of going to be a resurgence in both American League and National League West that's really going to surprise people. So I, I think that's interesting. And it is, int- it is also intriguing to me that we're kind of getting into an era in which these predictions are, are pretty easy because uh, there's almost dynasties that are being created within each of the divisions uh, that will repeat over and over again for a few years. So it's, it seems like we're in a, a place where it sounds like a lot of people are tr- being traded or, you know, free agency and all of that. But if you look at it from somewhat of a distance, you're getting players that are becoming loyal to their teams and staying there for a long time. That's kind of surprising and much more retro to the 60s and, you know, 50s. Yeah. Yeah, sort of like uh, to speak to the mini dynasty part, sort of like the Anaheim Angels. How it's they're like a perennial playoff team now. Right, exactly. Like or the Pirates, <laughs> <laughs> which you know the Pirates. You you join the Pirates so that you can see who you'll be traded to. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's like a stepping stone team. You kind of want to go there because you'll probably end up with the Red Sox or the Yankees eventually. Right. It's sort of like one one team above AAA. I'm kind of down on the National League West, though. I feel like they're not going to have too good a uh, a season in general, those teams. But then I keep hearing good things about the Rockies, but there's nothing about them that really I find too intriguing. So I'll be interested to see if, if all the hype is worth what I've been seeing from them. Like Buster Olney on ESPN said he's their pick to win the whole thing. Yeah. Which is, well, like, crazy to me. But they, they're, they're my pick to win the West. The Rockies are. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I think I've got may surprise you in that one division. Yeah. Well, I've gone out on a limb on a few of my picks, so uh, okay. I felt like I needed to shake things up. I I scored a terrible zero out of eleven last year, so I can only oh improve. I know. I don't understand <laughs> that. You and I probably watched the most baseball of anyone on the baseball special, so yeah. I think well, I tried to get two. Two saber metric or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch that. You sometimes got to go with your gut. I know exactly. Otherwise, I end up like the Oakland A's <laughs> or the Diamondbacks this year. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what about the uh, one team I think to watch is uh, the Twins because they got the new stadium and everything. It'll be interesting to see how they transition over to that. And of course, now that they lost their closer, I feel like they're in kind of you know tenuous shape. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're definitely up there for me. I mean, you're 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 highlighting some of my picks now, but I think that what the, traditionally what happens when people get new stadiums, more people come to that. There's a larger fan base, which then propels the team along psychologically. So I I figure the Twins are going to have a great year, and also the the signing of Maurer really seemed like it said, you know, the ownership's behind you guys. We're going to give you money. You know, they're behind what the fans want. So that really sometimes is the magic that works, uh, at least within a division. Yeah. Now, do you have a team to watch, not necessarily that's going to make the playoffs, but could be, you know, a breakout team or a most improved team? I'm hearing a lot about the Orioles, surprisingly, and I'm still sort of holding my breath for the Reds and the Royals, who I both think are sort of, uh, you know, on the cusp. Yeah, of those three, I think that if 
if Baltimore was in any other division, you know, but the East, they'd probably win. And, but I have a feeling they're not even going to make it to wild card, and they're certainly not going to win the East. But they are going to be improved. But I, you know, the one that you've already mentioned that I think is going to surprise everybody are the Rockies this year. I think they're really going to do really well. Not well enough to win the World Series, but I, I think they're going to surprise people for as far as they got, as far as they're going to get. I mean, and uh, the the big big battle. Uh, that I'm going to see out west is between the Dodgers and the Giants about who's going to win the wild card. And uh, um, here I'm in disagreement with my son, who's a big baseball. He thinks the Giants are going to be the wild card for the uh, National League. I think the Dodgers are going to be the wild card. Are you both in agreement on the Rockies then for the West? Yes, we actually are. What we did is over the weekend, uh, I put all my choices on a piece of paper, (laughs) and then he put all his, and then we compared them, and we were shocked about how many. The only place we were in disagreement was in the West. Interesting. the, The National League West. Everything else we totally agreed with each other on. Yeah, well, it feels like a little bit of a, a little bit like you said, where it's not too hard to pick most of the divisions, it seems. Um, I'll be interested to see if the Mets can overcome whatever's been ailing them over the last couple, two, three seasons, because uh, they have so much talent. You'd think that they would be, you know, perennial contenders, but they keep, I mean, they were awful last year. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't seem like, I, I don't think Jason Bay is going to be their savior. You know, he's, he went there, and that's a great move on their part and all of that, but they can't rely on one or two guys or a couple pitchers. They really... There's something uh, that goes on in the way they run that team that just is a lot of bad decisions. It's probably around, you know, who their manager is, and they're going to have to wait for a, a Jim Leland-type character to come along and save them. Yeah. Now, what did you think of the lackey signing by the Red Sox? I was kind of uh, not a fan, but I'm going to give him a chance to see how it plays out this season. Well, I think that what you have to really look at with him is the, the team that he did worst against was the Red Sox. And he just hated Fenway. Uh, so we've got to figure, is he going to be able to pitch in Fenway against other people? Or was it something about, you know, the Red Sox? I'll be interested to know if he gets a lot of away games, you know, to pitch in. If oh, interesting, yeah. fool around with the rotation so that you don't see Lackey, you know, pitching night games in, in Fenway. Uh, but I, I really have a lot of confidence in him. I think he's really a good pitcher, a thoughtful pitcher. And uh, as he said, his wife, who's from uh, Maine, apparently, he's now, you know, in the kind of that comfort zone where the wife doesn't, is close to family. And that always helps. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Now, a big bone of contention here in my house, uh, we're big Tim Wakefield fans. So we're happy that he's in the rotation. I was a little disappointed that there was even any question about it because dice case you know he's flaky at best i don't see how they could even <laughs> presume to rely on him to be in the rotation and it was so i felt it kind of insulting where they're like he's got to earn his spot in the rotations like he did make the all-star team though it seems like he's it seems well, like i thought it, i thought it was clay that was earning his spot all along i thought wakefield was going to be in there and it was really between dice k and clay yeah so uh, i think that i really like Dice K, I guess, a lot more than you do, because I think he's a, if he really does well and really um, does his his samurai self into the game, he's going to be amazing. I mean, he's been able to be the MVP of the, the two world classics, you know, and I just can't 
imagine that he would be able to save face over and over again if he doesn't do well for one season or two in the near future. Uh, it just seems to be part of his temperament. And I thought that that's the way he was roaring back this season. He was going to do a really good job, but it's really disappointing to see he's so he's injured so early. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how he does because I, I agree with you. He needs he had that one eighteen win season a couple of years ago, but then last year was just a debacle. So, right. And then I mean I think I've always thought that that Ortiz coming back was like uh, that. He and Dice were sort of in the same wavelength that. Uh, David Ortiz has something to prove this year, so he, you know, he lost weight. He's going, you know, he was embarrassed by last year, so I, I thought that that was going to be a good sign. But uh, it's sorry to see Daisuke doing, doing what he's doing right now. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other Red Sox news. Hey, I wasn't too disappointed to see Jason Vago because I, mean, I mean, he was good and everything, but he felt like too much like a rental anyway. I never grew attached <laughs> to him. So I was, I was hoping that he'd. Uh, he come out of. I mean, after you have somebody as colorful as Manny Ramirez, Jason Bay just paled in comparison, except with his bat. And I, I just don't. I mean, it is was really funny to hear that he went to New York, another big city. I thought he was on a fast track to Seattle. Speaking of which, well, what, what do you make of the many changes in Seattle? They're my pick for the American League West. So uh... yeah, mine too. Well, I think Figgins and Cliff Lee and. You know, Ryan Garko and Matsui and, and even Casmel, uh, you know, um, coming out of it. Uh, the one negative I see out there is this uh, Joe Pinello, Pinino, you know. Oh, Pinero? Pinero, Pinero, yeah. who's been around, you know, St. Louis and and been around the block quite a few times. Actually, the only time I saw him play was out there in Seattle because I think he, he used to be with Seattle and now he's returned there. I just I think he's sort of going to be their black hole, but uh, Cliff Lee, if he gets and I hear he's injured already, yeah. But if he he comes out of it, I think he could really pull the whole team. Yeah, as long as Milton Bradley doesn't cause any problems. <laughs> <laughs> right, temper tantrums, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess he got ejected in two consecutive spring training games already. So. <laughs> yeah, he may be an early uh, early trade. Yeah. Or release or whatever. Uh, he's the one problem, but Figgins, I think, is going to—he's—he's a real spark plug, you know, bright baseball player, very good skills, and and a head for the game. And then, and then their catcher, Josh Bard, he's an old Red Sox, you know. Oh yeah. So it'll be—he's always kind of underachieved. So I think now that he's out from under the Red Sox, it'll be intriguing to see if he does blossom. Indeed. We should mention your son's working for uh, the Red Sox channel, Nesson. Uh, probably folks who listen may not even know the Red Sox have a channel, but they do, and it's awesome. <laughs> and uh, your son's working for them and doing some serious uh, stuff for them during the yeah. game. So folks yeah, who are watching yeah. Nesson will be able to see his handiwork on a regular basis. Yeah, he's been there for uh, two and a half years now, and he's, kinda, he's through various hard work and promotions. He's now an associate producer of the, uh, the pregame show. So certainly for all of the New England folks and other people that buy it around the country. Nesson is the one way that we are able to see almost every game except those ones that are on ESPN and Fox. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it'll be nice because I won't be able to visibly see him. He's not one of the in front of the camera talents, but I'll certainly know that his handiwork is there. 
and he gets to work, work with uh, Tom, Karen, and Jim Rice and uh, Dennis Eckersley, and so he, that's just fun. He says, you know, we hang out in the green room, and we decide, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Who are we going to put on? What statistics? What player are we going to highlight? So it's lots of fun. So it's kind of like being able to work your dream, you know, live your dream, work your dream, and he certainly decided that he was going to do that, and he did, he's done it, so it's it's great. Yeah, I'm envious, so it sounds like it's a good time. I'm, I'm excited, too. Peter Gammons has joined Nesson, so. Right, true. That's great addition a, to that fourth, channel. Fourth person's going to be on the pregame show. So you want to go over my picks? Yes, I was just going to say it's time for the picks, so okay. let's get down well, to business. We'll start with our home turf, the AL East. Well, the AL East, I believe the Yankees are going to win the division. And I think the Red Sox are going to get the wild card. Okay. Okay. Now the Central? That's the Twins. That's what I thought, yeah. And the West, you already said the Mariners, so. Yeah, I'm going to do the Seattle. And then I believe what's going to happen out of that, it's going to come down to Red Sox versus Yankees, and the Red Sox are going to win the American League championship. Interesting. Okay. Nice. Nice. So we're we're pretty close in that one. I think we have our East and wild card flipped, but... uh, We'll see how that shakes out. People are still not ready to give up on the Rays, so I'm hoping they don't prove to be too much of a spoiler this year. Yeah, I hope not. Uh, but the Jays are, I think, going to be at the bottom there. Yeah, yeah, they look dismal. Yeah. All right, now the uh, National League East? Once again, a very easy choice, the Phillies. I think they're going to repeat. Okay, and the Central? Uh, St. Louis. I yep. think it's going to be a battle between the Cubs and the Cardinals down to the end, but I think the St. Louis Cardinals are going to pull it out. Yeah, I feel like the Cubs just had something good going there a couple of years ago and really squandered it pretty bad at the end. So we'll see. You know, They need to recapture that momentum they had a couple of years ago. Yeah. Then in the West for the National League, I think everybody's going to be surprised to see the Rockies win the West. And it's going to be a fight between the Giants and the Dodgers for the wild card, and the Dodgers are going to pull it out with uh, some strong hitting from Manny Ramirez. Oh boy! All right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then that's going to be uh, the Cardinals versus the Phillies, and I believe the uh, Phillies will win the National League. All right. So now, Sox versus the Phillies in the World Series, and I got to go with the Sox. Nice. All right. Interesting. So the Phillies have become a a potent dynasty in your uh, oh, yeah. potential I think, uh, scenario. I do agree. I, they, I, th- they are I think powerful. they're the Braves, the Braves of the 2000s. <laughs> I think they're going to keep showing up, either winning or losing, but they're going to be in the World Series. Yeah. And also, you know, the one we didn't mention is the Braves, and they've got a good shot at uh, really challenging the Phillies in the East. They're, I think, uh, yeah, I think I have them for the wild card, so... Because okay. as I said, I'm down on the on the West. But every yeah. time I say that, then they turn out to be really good. So, <laughs> but you got a good choice in the Braves there. That's that's a good team this year. Yeah, I feel like they're a dark horse team. That that new kid they got is supposed to be unbelievable. That uh, center fielder, I think he is. Uh, oh yeah. So, all right. Well, your your picks have been uh, put into the the list here, and it's going to be even more heated competition than ever before this year. So it'll be interesting to see. If uh, you can come yeah. out of this with a championship, uh, I think, two years I think the choices are so easy for everybody. I, I won't doubt that there might be a, a tie, and then you'll have to come up with a flip of the coin. But then we both get two field goals and one touchdown, right? I think that's yeah. <laughs> I think oh, that's, that's a different sport, right? 
All right. Anything else? There going are no on? ties in baseball, though. You've got to have a winner. That's right. Well, we'll use the transposed picks uh, right. concept to break any ties, and if it gets even closer than that, we'll we'll see how, what happens. But I have a feeling there'll be at least a few different picks, probably like in the Central uh, American League Central. I think because uh, I haven't seen too many of the same picks there yet. So, uh, oh, that's you know, good. Some of these will be make or break, like right down to the wire type things. And well, that's why I tried to do something different in the West. Just to give some diversity to the choices. Exactly, exactly. Um, anything else going on that you want to mention? Anything uh, coming up you want to plug? Uh, you know, speaking engagements or uh, TV appearances or new. Well, I'm going to be like in. Uh, I'm going to be out in Greg's territory. I'm I'm giving a talk on May 1st at the uh, at the Queen Mary in Long Beach, California, talking about Bigfoot in, in California. Oh wow. So wow. then, then in June, I'm going to give the keynote talk at the Mystery Cats Conference in Glasgow, Scotland. And then a bunch of us uh, researchers are going to go over to Loch Ness for maybe four or five days, check out the situation and how it's changed there since Robert Rhines died. And, of course, I've got all of the – actually, I've been in a, a bit of a, a role here. I, I just finished the book Monsters in New Jersey. I signed a contract for – doing a book called Bigfoot in Maine, and I just finished last night another book called True Giants with Mark Hall. So uh, I'm I'm writing quite a bit again, and I just, uh, on, as I said, I'm on a roll. So in between running the museum and writing books and going to baseball games, I'm having a lot of fun. Sounds like it, yeah. Sounds like it. Well, that's great. Um, all right, well, we should be probably talking soon anyway for a full-length interview, and I'll talk to you about that after we're done uh, okay, great. wrapping this up. It was great talking to you, Lauren. Best of luck in the Pick'em contest. And, uh, you know, go Sox. We'll be in touch, I'm sure, throughout the season as it is anyway. Thank you, Tim. And it was great to be on your program again. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. What's going on, folks? It's the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special. And insisting that he goes first is Adam go rightly actually he's got some big stuff going on for him so we had to squeeze him in here as quickly as possible before he takes a trip overseas so it is time to uh delve into the mind of go rightly here for the 2010 baseball special how are things shaping up for your beloved San Francisco Giants you think hey man they're uh it's looking good for them everything i've heard from you know the um spring training uh games don't mean uh, doodly squat, but they've been looking uh, pretty good. Uh, brought some new players on board, a little more offense, so things are shaping up. I was saying to uh, Greg Bishop the other night, yeah, it's looking like they have a pretty good chance here because the Dodgers haven't done shit all off season. So it's anyone's division for the taking, and of course the Padres are impotent. So that leaves yeah. really only you guys, the Rockies, and the uh, the Diamondbacks. Exactly, yeah, and uh, the Giants' main problem has been they haven't had, they're still looking for power hitters. They didn't really get any in the offseason. They got some more quality hitters, supposedly, but uh, they got some young dudes coming up, too, that might supply that power. So, yeah, they're going to be my pick for their division. Nice, nice, sounds good, sounds good. How is everything going on with you uh, since the last time we heard from you on BOA Audio? Not sure when that was. Probably about a year ago or so. Yeah, probably on the last baseball special. It's been a while. 
I'm cool, man. I'm working on a, a variety of projects, some uh, book projects, a little musical project. I uh, got another podcast going, so I'm yeah, I'm busy. Yeah, I heard you've uh, launched a new podcast, so that's good. Yeah, it's just going to be a once-a-month deal with myself and the Visigoth. We did our last episode a couple days ago, or our first episode as well. A once-a-month deal. That sounds like a good gig. I should get myself something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so any big-name acquisitions by the Giants, or are we just talking about you know some journeyman types? No, they just got some uh, journeyman types. Uh, Mark, De, what's his name, DeRosa or something? They got him, and uh, I think that's his name, and Aubrey Huff. <laughs> I haven't even seen these guys. Uh, okay, yeah, these are old-school old type dudes that have been around for a while, yeah. Yeah, then last year they got uh, Freddy Sanchez, who got injured, so they'll have him again. He just needs to get uninjured. I'm not sure what the deal was. I was excited when they got him, and he's a real good hitter, former uh, batting champ there with the uh, Pirates. So he's at uh, second base if he gets <laughs> unhurt. You know, since he got to the Giants, he played for a couple weeks last year. Then he went on the injured list and has been on and off it ever since. So I, yeah, I hope it's nothing that's going to really fret, affect the rest of his time with the Giants. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, no, no big names, but I think they've improved. Overall, they re-signed uh, Aribe, who kicked butt last year. Mm-hmm. They paid him peanuts last year, so they ponied up some money. He's a real kind of uh, dynamic, explosive guy, or at least he was uh, last year. Then they got this guy. Really, they're banking on him to be like a franchise player, this Buster Posey. Okay, And yeah. uh, he, he, he's been doing good in the uh, spring here, so he might provide some power. So, yeah, no big names. Uh, the thing is, uh, from what I gather, you know, these power hitter types – aren't really interested in going to the Giants because it's a bad ballpark for power hitting. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you know, they go to teams where they can get, and the Giants can't pay like a lot of the upper, uh, you know, teams with higher payroll. So they're kind of stuck there, but they got the great pitching staff and if they can get a little bit of offense, which I think they'll get this year. They'll be fine. I was looking one pretty interesting statistic, you know, everybody, says thinks Barry Zito has stunk up the joint since he's got there, and his record sure shows that. But when he has gotten, uh, it was either three or more runs or four or more runs, he's won all those games. Those guys just don't get the uh, support, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so if they can, eat, you know, uh, inch out another run a game, I think they'll win the uh, division. Right. You don't have Randy Johnson kind of hanging around there. Mm-hmm. holding on to get his 300th win like he did last year. seems like that was kind of touch and go the whole time, where it was like they just kept trotting him out there to get that 300th win, but I don't know how much he contributed to the team last year. So Oh, he did. He had a good uh, oh, record he? until he got hurt, yeah. yeah. When, when did he get hurt, though? Well, it was like the uh, middle of the season, and he was gone. Yeah. But he had – I mean, it was one of those deals he'd have a good outing, they need to have a bad one, good outing, bad one. But, yeah. you know, they needed somebody in that fourth or fifth spot, and he he did a good job. Nice, nice. All right, are you ready for predictions? Uh, sure, why not? I'm trying to think of what else we might need to – oh, I should also mention, actually, that the Giants are coming out here to Boston, so we're going to have a Boston 
San Francisco Giants showdown this year. So there'll be That's plenty right. of trash talking going on uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. around June, which will probably be, as we'll get to in a moment, which will probably be in lieu of uh, any NBA trash talking. So Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's roll through the uh, predictions. And since you are a National League man, we'll start in the National League. And we'll go with uh, – now, I haven't even made my predictions yet because we're taping this pretty well in advance of uh, when I normally tape the baseball special, but I'll try not to let your your picks influence me. Well, Mike, you know, I have a strategy every year I come up with, some novel idea, and it hasn't really worked, the Costanza thing, or uh, what I do last year was kind of a hybrid of Costanza and picking the team I hated the most. Yeah. That really didn't work, but it was better than what you did. Didn't you go oh for everything last year? I did pretty bad. I did pretty bad, actually. I'm getting my... I'm getting my notes up here right now to look at how I. <laughs> how so I was I was thinking I could do opposite of everything you do, and I'd like the uh, NFL uh, playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe that you posted to Facebook and you said, "Here's my pick." Not just to screw with you, I was gonna uh, put something on Facebook pick, picking every team you didn't pick, and I would have, uh, you know, shoot. You would have cleaned up. Yeah, <laughs> I did pretty bad, but I I did really well in my Oscar predictions. So maybe I should stick to entertainment. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I was yeah. like I think I was like nine for ten in my Oscar picks. So. Oh, I yeah. didn't follow that crap. I know. Well, see, I'm a Renaissance man. <laughs> and yeah, my strategy I think this year, basically, I'm gonna play the odds, and I'm looking at the highest payrolls in baseball. Now, I'm going to kind of pick along those lines and see how that works. You know, if you look at Major League Baseball, the economics are all screwed up. And really, year after year, for the most part, it seems, in recent years, the teams with the highest payrolls win their division, except there's one black horse every year, you know, that yeah. comes out of nowhere. So I'm going to kind of use that uh, mythology this year and see how it works. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, last year you finished two out of eleven. That includes <laughs> that includes the ALCS, NLCS, and World Series. And I finished a dismal zero out of eleven. So I didn't get anything right last year. But I'm hoping for better luck this year. So we'll see what happens. All right, we'll start in the National League East. Who you got? Okay, NL East. Let's see what the highest uh, payroll is here. I believe we have the New York Mets. They have the second highest uh, payroll in baseball. We'll go with the Mets. Okay. So then we move down to the National League Central. And I don't know anything about the <laughs> Mets. So it looks like the Chicago Cubs, who uh, oh, they had a decent season last year, Old, uh, what's his name? They still got the manager, that fiery uh, oh, yeah. character. They got Lou Pinella. Lou Pinella, he... okay. Can't go wrong. So my cubbies, I'm taking my cubbies for the uh, NL Central. Sounds and, good. And then the West, I, I got to go with the uh, Giants, even though in 2009 they had the, they were like the 12th highest payroll in baseball. But I think they got it going this year. The question is who to pick for the uh, wild card. Uh, let me look. Uh, hmm. 
I like this new system. I'm interested in seeing where it where it goes here. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling you're going to do really well this year. Yeah. I'm, a little, I'm a little frightened. <laughs> I'd always relied on the consensus system to buffer me out of uh, yeah. last place, but after last year, I, I don't know nah. what's going yeah. on anymore. Yeah, I had enough of that Costanza, man. He let, let me down time after time. Uh, if only you'd pick the Tampa Bay Rays that first year when you implemented the Costanza system. Uh, yeah, that's the only – I didn't uh, – I should have, yeah. I would I would have cleaned up. For some reason, that's the only seller team I didn't uh, pick, and sure enough, it bit me on the butt. Okay, now the American League East. Oh well, that's a given. The New York uh, Yankees, the highest uh, payroll in baseball in 2009, their payroll was 201,000 or 201 million, excuse me. Four hundred forty-nine thousand one hundred eighty-nine dollars. So their their payroll is like fifty million more than any other team in baseball last year. The Mets uh, were one hundred fifty million. So we're going with the the New York Yankees. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. They pay Alex Rodriguez more than like the whole payroll of the Florida Marlins or something like mm-hmm. that. It's like, come on. All right. The the uh, the American League Central. That would have to go to your Detroit Tigers. Oh, boy. Nice. All right. And then the uh, American League West? That's the uh, Anaheim, Los Angeles Angels, or whatever they call themselves. The uh, (laughs) (laughs) Los Angeles Angels, which is, uh, that's like saying the Angels' Angels. That's true. I never even thought of that. Yeah. That's true, yeah, because Los Angeles is really the Angels, right? Uh-huh, the Angels, Angels. And yeah. then, <laughs> this is why we had to have you on the baseball special, come hell or high water, for these insightful uh, observations. And then for the for the wild card, who you got? Your uh, Boston Red Sox. All right, sounds good. Okay, then, all right, who you got to win the National League now? Oh, man, I haven't even gone there. Um, well, oh, boy, I hate to uh, bet against my Giants, but, yeah, let's hell, go for the Giants, man. I would be so happy if I won the uh, banal sweepstakes here and also uh, the Giants uh, went all the way. And I think it's possible, you know, that's what they say with a good pitching staff getting, you know, once you get there into the postseason, you know, with those short series, the Giants can do some damage. I think they can. Yeah, yeah, because they got that other kid there that pitched the no-hitter too, right? Uh, yeah, Sanchez. Yeah. Uh, what's so. his name? Jonathan uh, Sanchez. There's a funny story about uh, Bruce Bochy is the manager, and he's kind of a droll yeah. <laughs> guy. And uh, he they brought, when they got Freddie Sanchez, you see, he called uh, Jonathan Sanch- Sanchez. His nickname was Sanchi. <laughs> and when they p- picked up Freddie Sanchez, they asked him, well, what are you going to call him? Uh, and he said, well, he can be Sanchi, too. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was humorous. <laughs> that is good. That is good. All right. And then uh, for the American League, who you got out of the Yankees, Tigers, Angels, and Red Sox? 
Uh, let's play the odds and let's go with the uh, Yankees, the highest uh, payroll in baseball. All right, and then to win it all for the whole shebang, who you got? Oh, man. Hey, that would be cool if the Giants and Yankees were in the World Series. Holy shit. Um, let's go with the Yankees. All right. He's in it to win it this year, my friends. He's yeah. in it to win it this year. <laughs> the competition is really heating up. All right, so we've got your picks now for the record. And uh, anything you want to say about the NBA season? Back when we were planning this <laughs> little mini-interview, I thought uh -huh. there'd be more trash talking, but the Celtics have folded like a cheap suit. Yeah, and I, I, I'll, I'll be I lucky if they get into the second or third round at this point. I, I can't kick them when they're down. Um yeah, it looks, uh, well, it looks like Cleveland will be there, you know, if I was to, if I was a betting man against the, uh, Lakers, I guess somebody else could emerge, uh, Shaq got that thumb injury, so he's been out, so he won't really be back until they start the playoffs again, so, uh, who knows how that'll affect the Cavaliers, uh, yeah, there might be a couple of the teams out of the East. Uh, yeah, I don't think the Celtics got it this year, man. I don't know. If it's, I think Father Time is just, uh, you know, they're paying their dues. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Hey, what, what about uh, Big Baby uh, trying to change his name to Uno Uno? Yeah, I heard about that. That just you sums up the whole season in general. <laughs> you can't pick your you can't pick your own nickname. It's like when Kobe tried to uh, call himself the Black Mamba. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that don't, yeah. <laughs> that don't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, that just sums up the whole season. It started out so well. I don't know. Everything went off the rails like around Christmas time, and they just haven't recovered since. Mm -hmm. They fucking yeah. lost to the New Jersey Nets like a few weeks ago. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, like once that happens. I don't know. Yeah, you can just tell that some games they're on it, and then other games they, it looks like they're like a deer in the headlights, and they just keep dishing to Rashid, and he keeps missing threes. And it's like this is—they're not going anywhere. This is ridiculous. But well, yeah, that's part of the problem. There was uh, this ain't the old Rashid. This is an older Rashid, and I don't think you know. A lot of times they say, well, they doesn't have the heart or desire or whatever. Hey, you know, he's older. <laughs> it happens, man. They, you know, it catches up with you eventually. And he does, he's not the player he was with Detroit. Exactly. So, you know, it, yeah. My brother, who is, of course, a diehard uh, Boston fan in general, insists that they're just holding back till the playoffs start. But <laughs> I'm, uh -uh. I'm skeptical of that. But we'll see. We'll see. You know, a magical run is, is not out of the question. I'll be very excited if that happens, so. Now, if you're getting ready for the playoffs, I mean, teams pace themselves, you know, the good teams. I think the Lakers have kind of done that this year, but you don't, you don't, you're not stinking it up towards the uh, end of the season. Exactly. Yeah. Like you they know, were crushed by the Cavaliers a few weeks ago. It was like yeah, you're you're starting to ratchet it up now. And I the, I saw the Lakers play the uh, Spurs last night, and they. Uh, in the fourth quarter, they just ratcheted up the uh, defense a couple notches and just, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> shut down the uh, Spurs, which is a good sign they can uh, do that. So, yeah, it looks like ready. it's the Lakers, to, Lakers championship to lose. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Maybe in another few years we'll get back to that awesome Boston-L.A. rivalry again. We'll see.
Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry it had to happen like this, Tim. But, well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we got our championship a couple of years ago. I can't complain. Anything else you want to plug? Anything else coming up uh, that you want to talk about? I know you got some projects in the works and stuff, and we'll be talking at some point in the future uh, to do the Manson interview that's been long awaited by the BOA oh. listeners, I'm sure. So don't worry, I still have you on the on the list here. You're on, you're on the. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that was on the radar. I'll send you a copy of the new Manson book. Yeah, for I was, sure. I was going to do that a while back, and I didn't uh, get around to it. So. Oh yeah, that was when you were going to send me the Tucker Carlson best of whatever the hell that. Was. <laughs> I forget what that <laughs> the name of that guy was, but. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you send I really some, don't. Some you asked for my address. I said for what, and then you said for some strange like. I don't even know, 1970s <laughs> jazz singer or something like that. Oh, yeah, okay. Tookie, Tookie Wilson or something, I don't know. Oh, the Mom's Mabley. There you go, yes. <laughs> yes, the Mom's Mabley box set. There we go, yeah, I remember that now. Uh, how do people find out about the new podcast? Is there a URL for it, or is it where can people check it out? Let me think about that. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's through... Uh, Talk Shoe, which is it's set up like a, a conference call, okay. Um, so people can call in there and whatever. But the URL for it is kind of a long-winded deal. But what I usually do, if they just go to my blog, uh, go rightly.wordpress.com, I'll post when there's a new episode coming up, and they can go in there and they can uh, once they do get to that Talk Shoe. Uh, URL they can bookmark that for the in the future. Then my pal Visigoth he is he'll advertise it on his or his website. It's actually somebody uh, who has a blog. Thinker Be Eaten is the blog, and they put up. Uh, she has a uh, page or a couple pages devoted to his different podcasts. So if you go to thinkerbeeaten.com, then go to radio or podcast, whatever, you can find it. You'll find uh, links to, uh, we're calling this, uh, Transmissions from a Dying Planet, and the old, he's going to, Visigoth's going to be archiving the shows there, and our first episode is in there, which was pretty interesting. Uh, we interviewed this gal who thinks the, the Canadian uh, rock group Rush uh, is mind-controlling her. Wow. Psychotronic Weapons, uh, Solaris Blue Raven. Wow. She was in the first hour, then we had Andy Colvin, so go check that out. Uh, just, yeah, navigate to thinkorbeeaten.com. That's, uh, and get to the podcast like that. And, yeah, usually, uh, to find out more about me, go to adamgorightly.com or, uh, my blog, gorightly.wordpress.com, or my books are at Amazon if you put search for Adam Go Rightly. Sounds good. Sounds good. People are well familiar with you via your many Been All of America audio appearances, so I'm yeah, sure they'll be able to track you down. Don't need to do that much plugging. People have heard enough of me. <laughs> <laughs> Anything? Any books coming up this year uh, worth mentioning, or are they still sort of in the works? Ooh, they're in the works, but there are a lot of... Uh, I got three or four different uh, book projects, and uh, they're not all my books, but I'm one of them. I'm trying to get published by a uh, late great 
writer who is no longer with us. It's an unpublished manuscript, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Then I'm working on a couple other projects, and it's yeah, really not worth going into much about it now until they start to materialize. But I think in the next couple of years, there'll be a uh, hopefully a spat of books coming out by me, uh, maybe uh, maybe towards the end of this year, but probably definitely next year. Nice. A Go-Rightly tidal wave is on the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Stay well, tuned. I, I really lucked out here because I was going to do all the emailing to start locking people up for the interviews tomorrow, and I would have missed you. So I really it was serendipitous that I was sitting around, had some extra time, and said, I better, I might as well email everybody today and start locking these people in and stuff. And luckily I caught you right before you headed out to the airport. So Yeah, I would I would have been gone. I don't think we would have uh, hooked up. So good deal. Yeah, I was thinking about we were getting close to the baseball prediction uh, time. So it all worked out. Yeah, it worked out well. Hey, thanks again for coming on the show, Adam. I know you're super tight for time, so I really appreciate that you uh, squeezed us in here before you head out. And uh, best of luck with all these projects. We'll be talking soon. Yeah, thanks for squeezing me in, my man. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Ladies and gentlemen, we're continuing onward here with the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special, and we've got some fresh blood here on the program. I'm already going to say right now, I think he's going to be the BOA Audio Baseball Special Rookie of the Year, uh, even though we've got two newcomers on the show. I, I'm really looking forward to talking to him. He is... Making his first appearance, as I said, on the baseball special, but he's been on BOA Audio already before, and he's also been on the BOA Audio Lost Cast, so he's a friend of the program. He's the author of a number of books. Let me plug them here before we reveal his name. His latest book, What Lurks Beyond, The Paranormal in Your Backyard, is available for pre-order from Amazon.com, and he's also the author of Darkness Walks, The Shadow People Among Us, wildly popular book exploring the shadow people phenomenon, and Haunted Missouri, a ghostly guide to the Show Me State's most spirited spots. Both of those are available wherever fine books are sold. Jason Offit, he's back on the program, and he's making his debut here on the baseball special. I'm really excited that you've stepped up to the plate, pun totally intended, to uh, join us here on the baseball special. Well, Tim, thank you very much for having me on the baseball special. I love listening to your baseball specials. Big baseball fan since I was a kid, so uh, this, is a, this is a big pleasure for me. I know, I know. When we were sort of emailing back and forth uh, last year, I think, after the baseball special, I was just stunned by not only uh, how big of a fan you are of baseball, but just, you know, your history sort of entwined with baseball. You know, you saw Lou Pinella play when he was a player, which is pretty amazing. And what stunned... That's dating me. Thank you. I know. <laughs> hey, dude, I, I'm envious. I'm envious. And what uh, I think might be a first here on the program, you've actually been in attendance for a no-hitter, which is mind-blowing to me. So uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, the uh, the that is one thing I like to, like to lord over all the other baseball fans I know because not many people sat in the stands and watched, watched a no-hitter. It was uh, uh, Brett Saberhagen, uh, which – your Boston fans are quite familiar with uh, when he when he was playing with the Royals 1991 we were playing the the White Sox and uh, let me let me rewind the the no hitter just uh, just a minute okay um, uh, I covered sports when I worked in the newspaper industry part of the time just because I love sports I wasn't necessarily a sports 
uh, on the sports staff, but I used to shoot games and uh, went to this went to this game with our sports guy who happened to go to, to high school. I actually grew up with John Rooney, the broadcaster. Okay. And Rooney, who is with the Cardinals now, was with the White Sox. So I got to have have dinner with uh, dinner with with John Rooney, which was which is really cool. And he and my my friend Russ regaled us with uh, with tales of streaking back in the seventies at, uh, at the Dog and Suds. Oh, geez. Which, uh, considering uh, Rooney's about uh, uh, you know about the same shape as uh, a fifty-five gallon barrel, that <laughs> interesting visual. But in, anyway, uh, after uh, um, I, I shot some of the game and then went and went and sat in the stands because I, I had what I needed and got to watch uh, just an unbelievable. It, it was it was so tense the last couple of innings. Like I mean, how I mean, is he going to do it? Is this pitch going to be the pitch? Where you know there's a little squib single to, oh, to yeah. yeah I mean what when's it going to happen so the the whole the whole stadium for every pitch after about about the sixth inning was just dead quiet and as soon as he he threw it you know, the the place just went in an uproar you know, every every out he got it was absolutely amazing and and afterwards it was one of those things where you just sit there for a while going did I just freaking see this yeah I'm just I'm I'm so envious and I'm glad that it happened. Uh, not to date you again, but I'm glad that it happened in 1991 because I was afraid this was going to be like a story of, you know, you were a little kid and didn't understand the significance of it. So, but it sounds like you were just in the moment there. I mean, I'm just blown away. I mean, so I'm in awe of this. Right. Yeah. I was. Uh, I was. I was in. Uh, what the heck was I? I was in my 20s, early late 20s in, in 1991. No, mid twenties in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, so I, I it was complete full full faculties, grown up, all this, and I, I knew the importance of what what I was sitting there watching. And then me and my buddy got uh, got drunker than hell. <laughs> Had to celebrate. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you do it in the world of baseball. Now, as we've intimated here from from earlier here in the conversation, you are uh, you're in Kansas City Royals country. Um, obviously, they were a player. Uh, you know, back in the day, when did things go wrong for the Kansas City Royals? Maybe you can pinpoint this for me. Oh yeah, I can pinpoint it exactly. John Sherholt. That's what went wrong with the Kansas City Royals, because he was in charge of. He's the guy who built the Royals, the 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 Royals of the the mid to late seventies, uh, and up until after they won the World Series. He, in in my opinion, and in a lot of people's opinion, he was the guy who orchestrated the whole thing. He built the most outstanding. Uh, farm system in in baseball, and after he left and, and went to uh, went to the Braves, we all know you know what happened to the Braves after he showed up. Yeah, um, the Royals just just crumbled because Jeez. they 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 lost their guy. They lost the guy who designed everything, and they just let it go all to hell. Now was he the general manager at the time? Uh, yes, he was the general manager. I, I don't know what year he started. Uh, it's uh, he. We went to we graduated from the same college. He he did much earlier than I did, but um, I'm not sure uh, what year he was GM. But yeah, he was GM um, for the for the late '70s and, and up through the '80s. Yeah, because every time I every year I know I remember like a couple of years ago in in '07 I was sitting there and I was out in LA visiting Greg Bishop and we were sitting around talking baseball. Greg Bishop, me and uh, Paul Kimball, both those guys will be on the special later on. And I said at the time, you know, you got to keep an eye on the Royals. I, every year I feel like they're going to break through. Um, and of course, last year you guys had the Cy Young winner, so it's not like there's a lack of talent, but it's like they just can't seem to put it all together. I mean, they did sign that Farnsworth guy, the relief pitcher, which is kind of crazy because he's terrible and, and sort of a, a flake. But Well, I know, and everybody, I mean, the Kansas City media was just nuts over that. It was like, you did what? You signed who? 
Yeah. How much money? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 a it's a weird organization because you see a lot of dudes like uh you know Coco Crisp ended up there a few years ago and and he was pretty good in in Boston so. Right. Well, and the Royals. One of the main one of the problems with with the Royals uh, throughout the years, ever ever since uh, the the World Series year, nineteen eighty five, is is the last time they went to the playoffs. After they won the series, that was it. They haven't they haven't been to the postseason since. Um, and and a lot of the names that have been through here since then have been been fairly amazing. Johnny Damon being one. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Jermaine Dye. Um, uh, we've had a lot, lot of players go through here that have had uh, a lot of success with other teams. We just haven't held on to them. It's not because we haven't been able to. I mean, because people will throw that you know small market baseball around, but we've had owners who could sh- shell money out who who just didn't. Yeah. What's the status in Missouri? Is it like a is it like a regional thing between the Royals and the Cardinals? Because it's surprising. Uh, I think because they're the Kansas City Royals, people don't realize they're in Missouri, which is telling in general about <laughs> the American uh, educational system in and of itself. But right. it's surprising that Missouri has two teams. Like, I mean, you'd think like some places that are crazy about baseball, like like uh, New England would have two teams, but we don't. We only have the one. But I'm surprised that Missouri has two teams. But they've both been around like for a long time, so I guess it's not that. Well, and they have, of course, the Cardinals have been been around for forever. St. Louis had two baseball two baseball teams at one point. I don't remember the years. It might have been back in the 30s and 40s, yeah. maybe even the 50s. They had the Browns, uh, I believe, was was their team. Uh, the Royals have had a couple of teams. We had the A's uh, when the A's left Philadelphia. They came to Kansas City and then they went went out to Oakland. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Back back when we had uh, had the A's, um, they were, they were kind of the Yankee farm team back back in the day. Uh, for some reason, we would trade all of our good players to the to the Yankees. Uh, interesting story about that. Uh, back when my mom graduated from high school in 1954, she went to beauty school in Kansas City, and her and her friends were out at a club one night dancing, and she danced with Billy Martin. Oh boy, jeez. Yeah. And and surprisingly, surprisingly enough, she said he was a nice guy. That's not the Billy Martin I remember. I know, yeah. But I didn't dance with him. <laughs> I suppose if he's dancing with a lady, then he's in he's in a good mood, I guess, you know. Yeah. Well, and and well, I guess going back to to, to the question that I vaguely sort of answered, but but Kansas City, so so St. Louis has had its market for a while. Um, my my dad was a big Cardinals fan just because when he grew up, that was the team that we got. Mm. And when we got the Royals in 1969. Um, they got good fast. They were pretty good in 1976, which was George Brett's rookie year. Uh, 77 uh, was probably the best Royals team ever. Uh, and then they were good, went to the World Series twice up until 85 when, when things kind of crumbled. And at that point, uh, through the late 70s and up to the mid-80s, they were drawing over 2 million fans a year. There, weren't, there wasn't a team in Colorado. There were, if, there were Royals fans from... Uh, you know, Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, uh, Oklahoma, uh, Colorado. I mean, all these states. We had a huge area to draw from. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And they added all these other teams. Florida. I don't see. They, they can't even support one team. I'm surprised they have two. But I've been pitching right. about this on the show for years. So they need to stick. They need to just merge those two. Now, what happened? I vaguely recall that they. Royals were offered the chance to leave and go to the National League, but they didn't. Right. I think the main reason is because they've always been an American League team. 
Yeah. I think that was a huge mistake. Uh, because at, at the time that that was, at the time that happened, um, the American League was uh, was uh, a bit better than the National League at at the time. So the Royals' record probably would have been a little bit better. But looking at at the regional regional poll, I mean, you'd have St. Louis coming in, and the games would actually mean something. Yeah, you'd have the Cubbies coming in, and the games would mean something. And you'd have the Rockies, uh, which we'd play more often. Uh, I, I just think it was a huge mistake. A lot of people in Kansas City think it was a huge mistake. But, uh, I mean, the American League, American League team, they kind of wanted to keep it that way. Yeah, yeah. Now, the Brewers did end up switching. Maybe they got the offer afterwards or something. I don't know. I'm not familiar with how all that went down. So, Well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if there was really an offer um, to any, any team, an offer to Kansas City, but they were in the running for it, and they pulled themselves out. Mm. Again, yeah. things happen like um, it, it would be, I mean, to pull them, it, it, it's like an argument with, with rest, the restructuring of, uh, of the NFL. If you would have, you know, separated Dallas and Washington, what kind of an uproar would that have been? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so people are resistant to change, so it's not surprising. But they'd probably be in better shape in the, Amer- in the National League just in general because although the American League Central – to, to go back to sort of what we were talking about, how I feel like the the Royals are on the cusp. I even I felt it really a lot last year too. At the beginning of the season, they were really doing well. Um, and the and it seems like the American League Central is always sort of like the wild wild west of of uh, the division. So how are you feeling in general here as the season's about to start? Uh, I'm feeling like maybe just maybe uh, we will be next to last place. <laughs> instead, of, we might be in fourth instead of instead of fifth place. Yeah, I mean, you, you never really know what's going to happen with with Detroit, with the White Sox. Uh, Minnesota is still still my favorite in the Central. But uh, yeah, the, the Royals aren't going to be contending for a while, um, in in my opinion, just because of the fact that for years, and we haven't done much to improve that this year, uh, is defense, defense and, and hitting. Now, what about the guy there that they had that was? Touted as like the next big thing, uh, Alex Gordon. He never really. I heard. He, I heard the, like the analysis I've been reading is sort of like this is his make or break year. Where now they're sort of saying, well, maybe he's not going to be the next big thing. So it's sort of like a lot of pressure on him to either really blossom this year or settle into being, you know, just an average player. And the analysis I read, which is amusing because it's true, is like it must suck for somebody like him who's, like, achieved something that 99% of the population couldn't achieve at all, which is to be in the major leagues, and you're still not, <laughs> you, see, you know, you still quite have that dark cloud over you that you haven't lived up to what the experts expect of you. But what, what do you think of this guy? Right. Uh, Alex, I think last year would have been his, his make-or-break year if he hadn't gotten injured. This guy in college was fantastic, award after award. Um, he was just a phenomenal college player. Grew up in, in, in Nebraska. Um, left-handed third, left-handed third baseman. He idolized George Brett. You know, left-handed third baseman, yeah. Hall of Famer. Uh, so this guy, and getting get, getting drafted by Kansas City, this was you know one of his dreams. And then he comes and doesn't doesn't. Uh, I mean, he doesn't meet meet up with his expectations for a couple of reasons. One, Kansas City fans have been waiting for the next George Brett ever since George Brett started getting older. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin Seitzer was supposed to be that. Jeff Conine was supposed to be that. Uh, Billy Butler is still a young guy and a good hitter, but 
he's probably not not going to get to that level. And then we get Alex Gordon, and this guy has the pressure of, hey, maybe he is the next George Brett. And I, I think one of the reasons that he hasn't blossomed has to do with something that, that George Brett said. Somebody uh, had asked Brett to talk with Alex Gordon his, his rookie year, and he did. He had a nice nice discussion with Alex. Um about about hitting, about what you should do, how to be a great hitter, and Gordon did a few of those things uh, in practice and started driving the ball exactly like he he should be, and then after the discussion he just stopped, huh. and and his hitting has just has been has been subpar. How do you? You know, have George Brett tell you, <laughs> tell you how, I mean, it's like, okay, uh, Mark Twain said, hey, Jason, you probably need to structure your sentences this way. You know, I'm probably going to listen to the guy. Exactly, yeah. 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 That makes you wonder, geez. And if, if he idolized the guy, there there shouldn't be any tension or anything like that. It's not like, you know, so that's just strange. Yeah, after, after you know, peeing his pants that, oh, my God, George Brett's talking to me, yeah, he would, should listen to every single thing that he said. Yeah, I don't. I don't get that. But I, I think uh, most most of the Royals fans that I, I've talked with are almost uh, they're they're ready to give up on him. Now, as him being a great player, as an average player, yeah, we we might have that for a while. Yeah, exactly. Like I was saying, like you and I aren't going to be playing for the Royals. So <laughs> it's like he's doing he's doing a little better than we are. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We, we we might be there. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's true. Now let me see. Oh, you did work at the. At Kauffman Stadium, right? That's where you, you used to work, which is the original uh, Royals. Oh, wait, now. Let me see here. Yes, you worked at Royal Stadium, which is now Kauffman Stadium. Is it the same stadium? They just it added is, the naming rights type thing? It's, no, it's the same stadium. Uh, Ewing Kauffman was the owner of the Royals. He's the, he's the guy who, who started the franchise in 19, uh, 1969. Okay. And uh, so when he, he, uh, when he died, they named, uh, they named the, the stadium after him. So there's, there's no no naming rights here. It's just you know out of, out of respect for the guy who 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 brought the team here and 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 kept it here. Now they don't have a new stadium now though, do they? No, they have uh, dumped some money in it and refurbished it. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, whenever they built uh, Truman Sports Complex uh, back in 1973, they did everything right. <laughs> they've got they've got Kauffman Stadium and they've got Arrowhead Stadium right next to it, and they're they're still both gorgeous gorgeous stadiums. And yes, I, I worked there. Uh, being a huge baseball fan, I was like, "Man, what can I do? I mean, I, I, I'm going to be a food vendor. I can go to 81 games a year, and if they go to the playoffs, I can go to more than that." <laughs> they, they had just uh, lost to the Phillies in the World Series the, uh, in 1980. 1981, I got a job at the stadium, and they they went to the playoffs every year uh, that I was there. And I went to college, and in 1984, I'm like, yeah, it's, I don't want to do this anymore. So I, after that season, I stopped. What crappy timing. <laughs> I missed the 1980 World Series, and I missed the 1985 World Series. But, uh, but it, was, it, was, it, was, it was great. You have no idea how much cute, uh, how much cute girls will, will flirt with a peanut guy. It's insane. Oh, I bet, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I've learned a, I learned a couple of things. One, never eat food that's not prepackaged at the stadium. What do you mean by that? <laughs> okay, because uh, there would be a lot of times where the food vendors would sweat into the hot dogs. Oh, okay. Okay, so buy a bag of peanuts. Get your hot dogs from behind the counter. Don't 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 buy them from a sweaty man. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> and. And and well, it was it's working at the stadium was was great. You get to go out. You, I mean, you're outside. You're running around. You're 
you're you're you're selling your the atmosphere at the ballpark's beautiful and i think it was in 83 perhaps maybe 84 we were battling the angels for first place in the american league west and whoever you know won the last last few games at the end of the end of the season was going to go to the playoffs and so there was a lot of angels fans there and i was uh vending nachos and a guy raised his hand and i knelt down and started fixing him a nacho and i looked up and i'm like i need to say to that guy you know you look like ralph mouth from happy days but i didn't and i gave him his gave him his nacho and he's like how much how much i'm like a dollar 70 he gave me a buck and three quarters and wanted his nickel back but when i was hearing him talk i'm like oh crap that is ralph mouth from happy days oh boy weird so i met donnie most and he stiffed me for a tip. <laughs> That's my memory of, of Donnie Most. Oh, boy. Yeah. Jeez. Um, now, as the season's about to begin, anything other than, you know, what's going on in royal country catching your eye? Anything of interest, uh, you know, to you that you've been, you know, hearing about? Uh, royals or just, or just in, in general? In general. In, in, in general, um, no, there's a lot uh, – uh, but the university where I where I teach, there's a whole lot of a lot of kids from the from the St. Louis area. So there's a there's a lot of Cardinals talk. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, I uh, I just uh, I probably should have done a little bit more homework before this, but uh, I've just been frankly paying paying attention to the Royals uh, so far in uh, in spring training and seeing how how Granky's been doing. How is he doing? What do you expect from him this year? I expect a lot of the same from last year. I don't know if he's going to have a you know two point one six ERA again, but uh, he's looked he's looked good in spring training. Uh, he had one one rough outing, and after afterwards, he, when he was interviewed, I love listening to Grinky interviews because he's will just say whatever comes to mind. Hey, look, there's a dog, uh, <laughs> that sort of thing. But he he said in the interview he had no idea what happened. He said he got up there and threw his best stuff like he always have and. He just got tattooed. Yeah. Well, you know, that shit happens in spring training. There's not much. Like I was saying to Lauren earlier, you know, don't feel guilty for not really having, you know, much to say about the offseason in general because I haven't really been uh, paying much attention, even in the spring training games. It's like if you turn it on late and it's like 11 to 9, you don't even know. Those runs could have been scored in the eighth inning when it was all minor leaguers playing still. So it's hard to even really gauge much of what's, you know, how things are going to shake out. Right. Um, and since there were no, there was only like two big free agents anyway this off season, so there wasn't uh, much going on except for that big uh, Phillies trade uh, where they got Holiday. So that's about it. And everyone kind of expected that to happen anyway. So you know, big surprise. The Phillies get stronger. That's yeah. you know, that's almost on par with the Yankees. You know, signing crazy dudes to f- fucking huge free agent contracts. Right, but, but I mean, if you're George Steinbrenner, what the hell? You can do whatever you want to if you're with the Yankees. The, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know. Well, yeah, yeah. I saw the other. I saw. Yeah, last night on baseball tonight, they were talking about the Tampa Bay Rays starting rotation. And they said the combined payroll for the starting five for the Tampa Bay Rays is eight million, which CC Sabathia will make by like the middle of May. So. Yeah. That, I <laughs> don't have. I don't have the file in front of me. Uh, or maybe I do. Yeah, I because I noticed this headline the other day. Uh, a British study, uh, they they did a they did a study on uh, global sports salaries, and the Yankees 
are the best play, uh, best paid players in the world of any sport. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, and it was like three other soccer teams and and then then a few NBA teams. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So that's no surprise, but you know they only have one championship to show for it for this crazy spending spree uh, style of general managing. Because otherwise, they won all those championships early in the, uh, you know, early in the in the '90s or whatever, with mostly dudes that came up through their farm system and shit. Right. Which which is is I mean that's how the Royals won <laughs> won all the you know the the American League West pennants and the uh, and and you know won the World Series in 1985. It was all farm team. Exactly. That's where they got their players. Yeah. So. Which yeah, and and I rem- remember when George Brett and uh, Willie Wilson signed their million y- million dollar a year deal. We thought people were freaking nuts giving baseball players that much money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pocket change. I know. I know. I should have gotten into baseball. I should. <laughs> I should have practiced more. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, it's time to uh, throw your name into the hat for the predictions contest. Uh, since you're new to the process, it's pretty simple. You pick each of the divisions and the wild card and the National League, American League champions, as well as the World Series champions. You only get credit if you get the actual division right. So, for instance, if you picked the New York Mets to win the NL East, but they win the NL wild card, you don't get any points for that. But in the event of a tie, you will get points in these in those transposed picks, if that makes any sense. Yes. Okay. We've had controversy in the past, so. And, of course, you'll be competing against all the other guests here on the program, as well as the people on the forum, the official BOA forum, the USOE.com. So we're looking at quite a pool of uh, contestants this year. And Well, and uh, if there's a tie, I will kick the other guy's ass in ping pong, so that'll solve the whole thing. Oh, there we go. We'll have a ping yeah. pong showdown to settle it all. All, all right. right. Well, you're a National League guy, so we'll... No, wait a minute now. You're in the American League guy. What am I talking about? We'll start in the American League. Who do you have for the American League East? Uh, American League East? Oh, God, I hate to do this. I absolutely hate to do this because growing up, uh, who did the Royals battle in the late 70s for the chance to go to the World Series? It was the Yankees every freaking year who beat us, but I, I I can't not pick the Yankees. That sounds fine with me. I was just watching baseball tonight and they said they ran 10,000 simulations and the Yankees will win the American League East like 60% of the time. But I'm still, uh, I think I'm still backing the Red Sox this year because uh, I have to. <laughs> well, yeah, I understand that. And I saw a, a really nice, uh, really nice Red Sox commercial uh, on, on YouTube. It was the uh, Yankee Suck commercial. <laughs> there you go. I, yeah, which, which was really nice. The little girl, about six or seven years old, dad put her to bed and she was like, hey, dad. Yankees suck. Yankees suck, dear. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I gotta gotta go with the Yankees. Okay, now your home turf, the American League Central. What uh, what's your call here for the American League Central? Uh, Minnesota. Okay, and the American League West. Uh, and I man, I I, I have a I have a general rule that I hate every team from New York and, and California. Mm-hmm. But uh, I gotta go with the Angels. Okay. Everyone seems to be on different pages so far, so that's good. Uh, and for the wild card, uh, let's stick with my let's stick with my division. Let's stick with the Central. Let's go with uh, the Tigers and the National League East. Um, and and how can you bank it? Just like with the Yankees, I can't bank against Philadelphia. Yeah, they're becoming a juggernaut. It's uh, 
it's pretty surprising. I'll be interested to see how Halliday adjusts, uh, you know, given the way American League pitchers seem to do in the National League, I mean, he could be pretty dominant. But then again, Johan Santana isn't exactly uh, setting things on fire himself, and he came from the American League. So it, I guess it's a Right. Well, against Minnesota, up. he did fantastic work in Minnesota. I know. That's the thing. You'd think that he would do really well in the National League, but he uh, really hasn't done anything yet. Kansas City's famous for getting people like that. I remember when we got uh, we got Mark Davis and Storm Davis the same year. The year before, they both had brilliant years with the A's. Well, Storm was with the A's. And they just completely crapped out in Kansas City. Yeah, that's the worst when that shit happens. Yeah. yeah. We've we've been going through that in Boston with J.D. Drew. He was, like, unreal in L.A. and Atlanta, and he's just mediocre at best here for us. So it's like, oh. Why they sign this guy? Some people aren't set up for, or you know, set up for seafood. <laughs> well, I was gonna say when you're talking about the vendors, when you go to Fenway, they actually have a, a clam chowder vendor who goes around yeah. with clam chowder. So, really, how, how is that when he throws it across <laughs> three aisles? <laughs> well, you got to get it early, or else by the time I noticed, because I got mine like in the seventh or eighth inning, and by the time I got it, it was fucking cold. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what is this? This is just awful. It's like porridge. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, National League Central. Gonna gonna be a homer with the home state. Cardinals. All right. They're a popular pick. I mean, they are they are quite the team, so and that National League Central's it's a it's hit or miss. Some years it some years they're really on fire and other years it's like they're dismal, so Right, yeah, agree. But I've got the uh Albert Albert Pujols, um went to uh went graduated from uh from the school district where my wife used to work and uh he went to a uh, community college in in Kansas City with absolutely the worst mascot, a uh, college mascot. He went to the Maple Woods Community College. He was a, he was a centaur. <laughs> oh man, that is a strange one. Yeah. I don't even know what to say to that. I'm surprised that he would go to a community college, considering that he's like the best baseball player uh, in the game. You think that he would have gone to some? Some big Division One school. Yeah, 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 I'm surprised, but I bet you he just went there for like a year or something, and then ended up yeah, it was there. very short, very short. Yeah. National League West. Uh, gonna go with the Rockies. Interesting. All right, I'm seeing and some I'm picking... love for the Rockies here from a lot of people, so this is interesting. Okay, and the wild card. L.A. All right. Okay, and then in the American League uh, champions, who you got? Oh, again, I can't, I can't shy away from the Yankees, and, and really, it does hurt to say that. It it hurts me. No, I'm just <laughs> no. Well, you know, as I was saying to Lauren earlier, I'm just not hearing the buzz about them this year. So I'm hoping that maybe they're fat and lazy now, or whatever it is. You know, they won the championship. Maybe they'll rest on their laurels a little bit and get caught by surprise. That's my hopes as a as a Red Sox fan. Right, and I'm I'm picking the Yankees, and I'm hoping you're right. Yeah, you have to go against your better, you know, sentimentality, I guess, when you're making the picks. That's <laughs> as I found out last year when I went 0 for 11. Uh, <laughs> you got to go with the logical side of your brain, not the feeling side. That's, exactly. That's key. Exactly. All right, the uh, the National League champions, who you got? Uh, I'm going to pick St. Louis. Nice, nice. All right. That would be a great World Series, even though, as we've discussed, the Yankees suck. I think a St. Louis, New York one would be pretty uh, historically rich, so I'd, I'd appreciate that. I think agreed. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, they both have the most championships between them. So, all right, and then who do you have winning the whole thing? 
Oh, and now I'm going to go with my uh, emotional side as opposed to my logical side. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. All right. I'll be interested to see uh, how you do. I have my doubts about Pujols. I've, I've watched him in the playoffs the last few years, and he just does not seem to – he doesn't seem very clutch. But I don't know. He's due for one year, like, where he's, you know, they said that shit about A-Rod, and then he fucking destroyed in the playoffs this year, so. Right, well, I mean, Peyton Manning was never able to win the big game. He does have a Super Bowl ring. People do pull pull things through, yeah. All right, well, that will do it for the baseball discussion. Uh, What do you have coming up, of course, as we noted here? What lurks beyond the paranormal in your backyard? Available for order from Amazon.com. Uh, and hopefully it'll soon. be at bookstores, too, because I should be getting copies in the mail any day. Oh, wow. Awesome. All right. So yeah. folks should just get on Amazon and order What Lurks Beyond the Paranormal in Your Backyard. And, of course, the website is from-the-shadows.blogspot.com, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show for the 2010 baseball special. You'll be back, I'm sure, to talk about the new book uh, as soon as I get my hands on it and I can read it. And I'll be looking forward to talking to you about that. We've been discussing Lost here the last few weeks and now baseball, and we'll get back to delving into the paranormal in no, sh- in no time, I'm sure. Okay, uh, that would be absolutely terrific, Tim. I love being on your show. And, and if you have me back next year, we'll uh, I'll talk about how I single-handedly uh, screwed up the 1994 baseball season. Interesting. There's a teaser for you. All right. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Jason. All right, Tim. Thank you. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Ladies and gentlemen, we're continuing onward here with the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special. We've got a good friend of the program here, Richard Dolan. He has been to the top of the Banal League Mountain once already. Back in 2008, he was the champion, unseated this year by Lauren Coleman, and he's hell-bent on revenge. He wants to reclaim the title, much like his beloved New York Yankees reclaimed the title uh, this past year in the Major League Baseball season. So it was kind of a mixed bag for you. You lose the Banal League title, but your Yankees win the championship. So. Look, dude, I, I thought I won the league last year. I'm, I'm thinking I'm a two-time champion. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not prepared to recognize that Coleman won this because, as I recall, I had a couple of real close, close call predictions there. Yeah, you were pretty close. You were pretty close. I was. I'm, I'm just not willing to give this one up. It's been this means everything to me, Tim. Well, you'd be happy to know that we have one uh, forum member who actually did better than everybody on the special. So he's going to be on the special. This oh, wow. Year. Awesome. Yeah. He Great. got seven out of 11, which is kind of amazing if you think about it, uh, to pick all to pick seven out of 11 uh, before the season even starts. So, And he's a diehard Yankee fan, so he, uh, he really uh, – All right. Well, this guy knows his baseball, and he's got to <laughs> be on there. So he's, he's, our, he's our gold standard. <laughs> you could say that, yeah. And who is this mighty new guy? Believe it or not, he just goes by the name Mystery Man. All right, Mystery Man. Yeah. So. I'm after you. I got your number, dude. <laughs> I love Calling it. you out. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so you, uh, yeah, you got to enjoy uh, the experience of the Yankees reclaiming the championship. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. I, um, I'll be honest with you. I grew up as a baseball freak. Uh, I played every day as a kid. Um, watched the Yankees all the time. My grandfather used to take me to Yankee Stadium when I was a boy. And in fact, um, I, mean, I will never forget, I was at Old Timers Day, uh, the last year of the old Yankee Stadium in 1973. 
I was 11 years old, and I got to see Mickey Mantle come in to the uh, player's entrance uh, before the game. And I reached out my bony little arm, and I touched Mickey Mantle on his uh, right forearm as he walked by with his suitcases. And it was the biggest thrill of my childhood, <laughs> getting to touch Mickey Mantle. So for me, um, baseball, it really reminds me of my grandfather, who was just a great guy. And and how could I not be a Yankees fan? A lot of people love to hate the Yankees, and I absolutely get that. Believe me, I do. But I, I can't ever hate them. Uh, it, to me, it's a family thing. I grew up watching them, and I have a lot of great memories of going to Yankee Stadium with my grandfather and my cousins. And So, um, yeah, for me, it's just in the blood. Yeah, and it seemed like uh, I find it ironic because I look back at the picks from last year, and nobody amongst the people on the special had the Yankees. And it, it's ironic that I, I think I picked Boston, didn't I? Uh, yeah, no, you had yeah. the Cubbies. You had the Cubbies last year. I have it in front of me here. Oh yeah, yeah I'll never. I, you know, I love the Cubs and I hate the Cubs. I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're just this team that I want them all the time to win, and they always let me down. It's just like I might as well move to Chicago because that's how they all are over there. I know. It's very frustrating. I think the window's closed on them now for a while, so maybe once this new ownership gets settled in. I think they had their their chance, and uh, sad but true. Yeah. One team I have not given up on and will not give up on is the Minnesota Twins. I like the Twins. I don't know what it is about them. They're this little, small-town, small-market team, and they find a way to win at least most of the years. Yeah, yeah. They did it last year. I think I picked the Twins last year. Yes, you did. Yes, Aha. you did. And everyone thought, that's crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they managed to stay in contention all the time. They which squeaked is, in. Yeah. yeah, they squeaked in. That was yeah, in that one-game playoff. Yeah, that was a great game. Oh, it was fabulous, yeah. That was, that was great. And it seemed like the Yankees, uh, well, they get a lot of flack over the last, uh, like, 10 years or whatever, because then they... They started like really paying a lot of people a lot of big money and bringing in a lot of stars and stuff, but they still yeah. weren't winning the championship. But it seemed like it finally all came together this year, maybe because they just spent all that money on two ace pitchers instead of uh, you know fielding positions or something like that. I, I think uh, yeah, the pitching de- definitely. Uh, Sabathia was absolutely important. Jim Burnett were really great additions to the Yankee pitching staff. I think they've got a very very strong staff again this year. But uh, yeah, dumping the money into pitching seems to have worked out for them. Uh, part of the problem, this is the one thing that George Steinbrenner in the old days loved to do, is he'd buy a guy because he was great 10 years ago and pay him all this money. And uh, the, the Yankees of the late 90s got out of that. Uh, they were built, as everybody knows, on a, I mean, they were, had a lot of homegrown talent and um, and they had made some intelligent trades along the way too, but they weren't dumping all the money into these washed-up stars. But uh, they started getting into that again. They picked up Giambi and um, a whole bunch of other guys who, who gave them a couple of good years but then just went you know, right down. And so you got all this salary and, and not as much production as you'd, you'd want. So uh, they were always competitive, though, through the, through the whole decade. Oh, they, yeah. They didn't really have any truly bad years. They just couldn't put it all together. I still remember what when the Red Sox picked up Bill James, the statistic guru. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I made a prediction. I don't know if anyone heard me make it, but I said they're going to win a, a championship in two se- within two years. I think I said within three years. And they won it within, I think, two years, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I just thought showed a commitment to uh, really intelligent baseball analysis. And 
I mean, the Red Sox are strong again this year. I, I, I keep looking at the Yankees and Red Sox, and, and now I'm looking at the Rays. Um, that's going to be a great, great uh, race to watch. Oh, yeah. Those, those three yeah. teams, I think, duking it out. Uh, Devil Rays, I keep saying Devil Rays, they called me off guard last year, I have to say. Uh, once I got a look at them, I thought, this is a really good young team. Yeah, yeah, they're surprising, and they've managed to stick, to kind of stay, uh, you know, they've raised the, the level up, and they're staying there now. It's not like one of the, it's not like the Tigers when they went to the World Series a few years ago and then settled yeah. back down to the middle of the pack, like, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know how the, the, de- the Rays are being run. I don't know a lot about their management, but they, it seems like there's a real commitment there to have a good ball club. And uh, they're young, they're exciting ball players, um, at least until uh, they can't afford them anymore. It looks like they're, they're going to be an interesting team to watch. Yeah, that's what they're saying. If uh, you know, They may have to make some tough decisions if they're not in contention uh, by the trade deadline this year because some yeah. of those guys are coming up uh, on contracts. Now, speaking of guys coming and going, uh, now the Yankees lost two, two sort of like signature players on their team there, Matsui and Damon, who I thought was just – Unreal in the playoffs, especially when he stole second and then stole third. I know. That wow. Was, I, I mean, and and the the guy on the forum there, mystery man, he kept he kept sort of taking the Yankees party line during the negotiations and was like, let let Damon go. And I was like, you can't underestimate the intangibles that he brings to the table. Well, I, everyone likes Johnny Damon. I I liked watching him play. Um, he's he's just like a fun guy, and and he's a good he's been an excellent ball player. But he's, he's, I don't know his age, he's 36, 37, something like that. He's, yeah. I, you just can't expect a guy like that to be productive. I, I've always felt he's, he's, not that, he's not the outfielder he had been. Um, Matsui, I, I loved having him around. I just thought he was a great ball player to have around. The Yankee outfield is definitely the biggest loss. I, I, look, I look at what they've got, and I just, I'm not seeing a lot to make me smile as a Yankees fan. The only thing that... Um, that I'm liking is that every other aspect of the team looks so strong. Uh, the infield is phenomenal. Pitching is, is excellent. Uh, if we get one more good year out of Jorge Posada, I'll be happy. They've got some very good uh, catching talent coming up, by the way. So it's just the outfield. There's just not a lot of production I see coming out of the outfield. I think the pickups that they've gotten are overrated, in my own opinion. You mean Curtis Granderson? Yeah, I mean, the guy doesn't get on base. What am I going to do with a guy like that? That's true. He's fast. Yeah. He, he yeah. Does, he's not on base. He's a big out producer as I look at it. So I think he's overrated. And then uh, Randy Wynn, who, I mean, is getting paid a lot of money, um, doesn't really excite me all that much. He's another one. He's low on base percentage. Just, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'd like to see myself be surprised, and I'd like him to have a good year. But uh, And then, really, the one the one guy in the Yankee outfield that excites me is uh, is the new guy, Brett Gardner. Who I think has some potential to really turn it on. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, I like him, and uh, I want to see him get a lot of playing time. I think he will. Uh, and Nick Swisher, <clears throat> Nick Swisher, I, I think is basically a replacement level type of player. Um, I like him, but I don't really see him as a superstar. Yeah, I feel like I feel like though that, and maybe you can speak to this. I feel like the I, I get the sense that he sort of I don't know if it was him or Burnett because I guess Burnett's kind of have the same sort of mentality, but it feels like they sort of lightened the mood a little bit of the team yes. last year. Yes, I, I have to agree. Swisher, I caught a couple of his interviews, and he's just a fun guy. He's just a guy, you know, I think would be a very fun guy to hang around with, and uh, and he's got a good attitude. I'm just not seeing him as a as a great player. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's like um, a Kevin Millar type that, you know, yeah, chills just, everybody out and sort of uh, helps the team chemistry, but th- you don't see it really necessarily like in the stats. There's not one really devastating outfielder that the Yankees have this year. Like they, they've always had at least one great ball player in the outfield. I've thought, and, um, not really seeing it this year. And you talk about being frustrated, uh, liking the Cubs as a Red Sox fan. I can't tell you how frustrated it is to see Mariano Rivera come on the mound. It's like this guy never he's he's like so old, but he's it's so like unbelievable. 38, 39. He's amazing. It's it's maddening as a, <laughs> to be on the opposing side cuz it's and like he oh. was phenomenal last year. I I'm know. just thinking when is this guy going to have a decline? Um Rivera is just such a treat to watch pitch. And uh, I don't want to turn this into a Yankees-Red Sox love fest, but the only other guy that I actually loved watching pitch more was Pedro in his days with with the Red Sox, who was, I think, the most amazing uh, pitcher that, I, that I've that i ever seen, Yeah, personally. Uh, I, I will still never forget about 10 years ago, Pedro threw a one-hit, uh, 17-strikeout game against the Yankees at the stadium. You probably remember this. I, I think know. I do, yeah. It was an unbelievable. It was a no-hitter going late into the game. Someone got, I think, a bloop single off of him, and, and he was just this machine just going out there daring the Yankees to swing it then. They couldn't touch him. But Mariano uh, Rivera, is, is um, he's a guy who really wasn't much of a starter you know, in the minor leagues, and when he came up to the, Yan- to the Yankees, they tried to start him as a, have him as a starting pitcher, and he just... I don't know, it just did not work for him. But as a reliever, hes I think he's probably the best there's ever been, at least yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, no, I'm in total agreement with you. Total command of his pitches, incredible movement. And no one, no one, everyone knows what's coming, too, and they still can't touch him. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's that, incredible. Yeah, the pitch that keeps breaking the bats all the time. Yeah. Um, what, what I love about the Yankees this year, I, I'm, I'm actually really glad that Chamberlain is, is going to probably, Jabba Chamberlain is going to go to the relief, to the bullpen. Yeah. It seems that that's where he belongs. Um, I think Phil Hughes can be a very good starter. Chamberlain, um, I'm a little uh, disappointed that the Yankees kind of messed with him for a couple of years. And you know, you can start, you're going to relieve. But I think he could do uh, what Rivera did a number of years ago, which is serve as a setup man for a while. And I think that um, you get Chamberlain and Rivera in the in the bullpen, one two punch. Wow. Yeah, because he was dangerous in that in the bullpen. He was just. Tough to, to he had better with. velocity coming out of the bullpen, at least a couple of extra miles per hour on his fastball. Um, he was he was a much tougher guy to, to hit coming out of the bullpen, uh, at least historically. So I would I think uh, Rivera is going to have to retire at some point. Why not just groom Chamberlain to be the next closer? Yeah, you solve that problem for the next ten years, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Now, have you have you gotten the chance to go down to uh, check out the new stadium yet? No, God, God. <laughs> For, well, I'm living in Rochester, New York. Yeah. You got to remember, I'm yeah. uh, a good six, seven hour drive out of out of uh, New York City. Anyway, um, I'd like to do it. I haven't really been to Yankee Stadium. It's been a number of years. So uh, here in Rochester, occasionally, a number of years ago, I'd catch a couple of minor league games here. We got a Triple A team that, uh, in fact, is associated with the Twins. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so that's good. But going to Yankee Stadium is expensive. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking, you know, I, I need that for the mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I'll yeah. hold off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember when they first opened it this year, or last year, it was like, they were, that's, uh, that was all they were talking about for like the first month, was just how crazy the ticket prices were. But also that it was like 
an unbelievably amazing place. So it sounds like it would be a cool place to see a game. One day, maybe before I die. <laughs> I get a, if I, for my next book sells a million copies, I'll uh, I'll get I'll get a seat somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, folks. Get on Amazon already. There you go. Um, now I think we we've talked about the steroid thing before. It seems like it's dying down a little bit. Uh, well, it's still it's still one of these back burner issues, in my opinion. Yeah. And the thing that bothers me is um, it's always going to come up anytime one of these guys comes up for the Hall of Fame voting, whether it's Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire. Yeah. And um, I'll tell you, I have a very hard time. I, I, I'm not happy with the duplicity of the policy that, that uh, people seem to have, like Mark McGuire. Uh, yeah, Mark McGuire juiced. All right. But the fact was, I nothing that he did was illegal when he did it. Yeah, he did not break any rule, and not only did he juice, but we don't even know how many players did this: twenty percent, thirty percent, fifty percent, more. We really don't know. It's a lot of guys, okay? And and the fact is that many of these guys have gotten away; they didn't get caught. Some guys did get caught. Major League Baseball all through the 1990s was totally complicit in the steroid uh, mania. They were all excited over the home runs. Everyone knew. Everyone could see that Barry Bonds' head kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. All these guys kept getting more and more bulked up. Everyone knew that there were steroids in the NFL. So what is it? Somehow baseball is immune Uh The fact is that there's tremendous economic pressure on these guys to produce numbers that are you know better and better. There's a tremendous amount of pressure on these teams to win. And the the entire environment from Bud Selig right on down was one that was very permissive towards steroid use, I think. And a lot of people were unhappy with it, right? We all know this. But the fact is, I don't understand how you can penalize the players for doing what, what you know, yeah. they were encouraged to do and what was not illegal for them to do. Exactly, yeah. And I'm just – it annoys me because McGuire – is he eligible for the Hall now? I think he is, right? Yeah, he's been eligible for like two or three years now. Yeah, see how out of it I am? He's just teetering on almost being off, off the ballot. Like, I mean uh, it's ridiculous. Low. Yeah. Um, the same with um, – the same with – now, I mean Barry Bonds is, is a controversial one. But uh, I just – looking at it logically, how do, you, how do you keep a guy like Barry Bonds out of the Hall of Fame? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the whole thing just seems the, absurd to me. Yeah, it's going to get to the point where, like, Bonds, Clemens, all these guys who have but all the Clemens, records aren't going to be in the Hall of Fame. It's ridiculous. I mentioned Pedro earlier, but really, if you had to pick one, the most dominant pitcher of that generation, I'd have to say it's Roger Clemens. You could go with Clemens, Maddox, Pedro, maybe Randy Johnson, I don't know. But, I mean, I would say Clemens. Yeah, and, yeah especially um, longevity and all that. Yeah. He was, he was a machine, and... um. I'm not sure. I, I haven't really followed this that carefully. Whether Clemens was taking steroids after it was supposedly made illegal or not, I'm, I don't think. He yeah, did, I don't know I, the specific timeline of it all. Yeah. Um, I'm just. I, I mean, I think it's good to monitor the steroids. Um, first of all, they're they're not good for you. We all know what happened to Lyle Alzado in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and they're obviously not a healthy thing to put in your body, and it. It is cheating if you're doing it and the other guy isn't. Um, but I, I just don't see the logic of penalizing these people. I would like to see the steroid issue go away. 
Um, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to go away until all the Hall of Fame issues are dealt with. And I have this feeling that they're not going to be handled well. Yeah, yeah. And that whole list thing is like looming all the time too because until oh, they, yeah, exactly. yeah, they can't seem to come to any sort of legal uh, remedy to the list. It, it so. annoys the hell out of me that, that U.S. Congress has gotten involved in this at all uh, to the extent that they're now going to and they're prosecuting Roger Clemens for not being honest with – I mean, why is Congress investigating this at all? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're kind of a baseball purist. What do you think of the whole replay uh, debate that came up, especially after the playoffs? Because it seemed like there were a lot of blown calls in the playoffs. It was embarrassing. No, I'm, I'm, for, I'm for using replay. I think um, – I'm for also using it to call uh, balls and strikes. Actually. Okay, that's a surprise because most people seem to draw the line at the balls and strikes. I'm tired of these umpires blowing the calls. <laughs> honestly, I, wa- I don't watch a lot of games anymore, but I uh, I visit my in-laws. My father-in-law is a baseball freak, so I'll go to the house and he's got the game on. And I'll catch a few innings every time I'm over there. He likes the Cardinals, so he'll have that on any time. But whatever's on, we watch it. And I just I'm astonished at the variety in how these umpires call balls and strikes and and they're not always consistent even within a game and yeah uh and they ob- absolutely favor veteran pitchers over over new guys oh totally yeah and uh just you know come on if you can't do it right the machines the uh, the technology that we have absolutely works i mean there's just no question about it it nails it every time so i just say use that yeah that is pretty frustrating when the guy he'll call a ball or something like that and then they'll show up with a little box thing and it's like what are you talking about, dude? It's a strike. It's clearly on the little box. So. Yeah, I, I am a. I, I guess I'm a purist, but but by that I simply think that I'd like the game to be played as it's supposed to be played. That is accurately, with accurate um, you know, calls by the umpire. <laughs> yeah. So if the umpire can't do it, and I don't think they can, uh, as well as the machine, I just assume see the uh, video camera take it. There you go. All and right. I, the replay, you just don't want it. The whole thing with baseball is that the games take so long. Exactly. Yeah, that's the part of the debate that people. And I'm, I'm afraid th- there are so many easy things that could be done to speed up the game. Um, even even with the commercial time that's in there, I mean, they obviously want all that revenue, so the time between innings has gotten longer over the years. You know, if you look at a box score from like the 1920s. Those games were like an hour and a half. Oh yeah, yeah. It was, some of them were in were as little as sixty minutes. Believe it or not, uh, they say that there was no clock in baseball. But in old olden days, the clock was called the sun, which meant <laughs> yeah. that you you had to get the game done by a certain time, and that encouraged umpires for generations to call a, a quick game. Which meant here's one thing that you could just stop batters and pitchers from doing, which is just jerking around out there. Every, you know, the batter's job is to throw off the pitcher's timing. The pitcher's job is to throw off the batter's timing. They're allowed to want to do that, but we do not, therefore, have to sit back and let them waste the entire game doing that nonsense. Yeah. All right? So when batters, after every pitch, they step out, they adjust their gloves, they brush off their pants, they do whatever imaginary hocus-pocus they do, and then they get back into the box. That absolutely should not be allowed. And this is not a big deal. It's, it shouldn't have to be a big thing. Exactly. Okay? Yeah. You could let a guy step out, maybe keep, you know, one foot in the box for a half second, maybe. You know, some brief. And the yeah, same. You with just the can't pitch. be like deliberate about it. No, and these pitchers, there's a number of pitchers who just are 
brutal to watch them out there. And then the other thing is the uh, the pitching changes. Um, I think, you know, once you get to the seventh inning, it's it turns into this marathon where managers will come out and they have to they have to tweak, you know. They're, yeah, they bring you know, in like two, a, three, a guy for one hitter, and then they bring know. in a different guy like for the next hitter. And, it's and, like, and there are yeah. there are logical things. There, there are reasonable low impact uh, rules you could make to to make this easier. Uh, you could just, unless it's an injury, you could say you bring a pitcher in. He's he. You can't do just one guy, or um, yeah. you you can't have more than one. Uh, Mid inning pitching change, or you just limit it to, to so many per game. Exactly. Yeah. There are ways to do all this, and then the pitcher throwing the first base all the time. <laughs> God, you know, limit it. You just and people think, oh well, that's that goes against baseball tradition. But look, keep in mind, through the 19th century, through the 20th century, baseball has always had rule tweakings here and there. Mm-hmm. It's not like the game was built by the Olympian gods and then given to mankind and say never change. Yeah. Society's changed. The games change. We have to look at basketball. Basketball has been very, very current. They've changed their rules. They've evolved over the years. Um, baseball can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. doesn't mean that you're losing the, the essential game. What you don't want is to have a three-and-a-half-hour, four-hour game. <laughs> How are you going to get kids to watch that? Exactly. Yeah, that's part of the problem with like, yeah, the World Series. I would always end like at 11.30, midnight, and kids can't Ooh. even watch it anymore. Oh, God, it's horrible. All right. Well, on that note, let's get down to business on the predictions. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll start in our stomping grounds, the American League East. Who you got? Well, I'm I'm going with the Yankees, man. I think it's really it's going to be a very very close because Boston Boston's got a really good looking team out there. I have to say, they're they're fun. Uh, they're uh, fun to watch in the sense that they're just an excellent team. Um, and I think uh, that the fact they got Lackey is really going to be helpful. He's, he's a guy who's going to be good in the starting rotation for them. Yeah. He's only going to help them, I think. Um, I just I like the Yankees a little bit better as a team, uh, not because I'm a fan, although I am, but I I just think he's yeah, they got just have a slight edge. An incredible yeah. infield, outstanding uh, pitching staff, at least as it's looking right now in April. Uh, you got Mariano. I don't know. I just I just think that they've they've got it and they've. They're going to probably squeak past Boston. Although, like we were saying earlier, I think the Rays could surprise us. Hey, the Rays could win the division. Who knows? But exactly. I'm thinking it's going to be Yankees, Boston, and then the Rays, and then who, who cares after that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, all right, the American League Central Twins. Well, I'm going to go with the Twins, even though I'm, I think the White Sox actually have a better shot at this. But but here's my attitude about the Twins. Mm-hmm. All right. I am not giving up on the Twins until they really prove to me that they can't do it. This is a team that every year they find a way to be competitive and they find a way to win. Um, I'm actually encouraged. They, they locked up Joe Maurer and all that money you know, to play with them forever. Yeah. Um, Joe Maurer is, is phenomenal talent. and uh, To me, that just shows that the Twins do have, have a commitment. The problem is you got an injury to their star closer, Joe Nathan. Yeah, exactly. And this, that's going to really hurt them. If, if Nathan were healthy, I would say the Twins absolutely. I'm still picking the Twins, although off the record, um, I'm thinking <laughs> the White Sox have possibly a better edge, but I'm going with the Twins anyway, okay. out of loyalty 
to the good people of Minnesota. There you go. Yeah, I, I ended up going with the White Sox for the exact same reasons you uh, laid out. So <laughs> you did well. Yeah, yeah we I, need a little disparity between the picks anyway, so it works. That's out. right. I'm going with a couple. I'm taking some chances here, man. I'm out on. I'm out on the edge. <laughs> All right. Now the American League West. I'm doing the same. I'm going with the Rangers over the Angels. I well, think. Um, wow. All right. Nice. Well, I like the Rangers. They were good last year. I think they're going to be better this year. Um, I like the fact that Nolan Ryan's their president. Come on, man. No love for the Mariners, though. No, I, no, no love for the Mariners. Milton Bradley. <laughs> That's Come on, true. Do, need yeah. I say more? I'm a big fan of Ichiro. I, I like. I've always loved watching this guy. Um, and I think the Mariners have. They've got an excellent uh, one-two starting. Um, you know, in the rotation. Yeah. But but the rest of the, the pitching is a little spotty. I don't really think they're going to be that great. I see them maybe. 500, a little over maybe. I'm looking at the Angels and Rangers duking it out. The Angels really are good. They've lost, uh, they've lost a couple of, they lost Lackey, they lost, uh, I think it was Joan Figgins, I'm thinking. Yeah. But, um, the Angels are still a very, very strong team. They could win it, but I'm going to go with the Rangers just for the hell of it. Nice, I like this. And I'm going to look for Vlad Guerrero to have one last good year as DH there. Nice, alright. And the American League wildcard? Uh, Boston, gotta be. Okay, yeah. Gotta it seems like there's a lot of, uh, like, those are the two, you know, how it ends up shaking out will shake out how the <laughs> Benali shake The thing, all of these divisions, really, in the American League, and as we'll mention, I think in the National League, too, actually, really could be very competitive. Uh, I think all of them could be an exciting race. The AL West, I'm thinking Angels, Rangers, maybe the Mariners might make a play. It could be a very interesting. And you know what? The Athletics, no one knows who is even on the Athletics. You look at the names of these guys. I'm like, who is this guy? Who is that guy? But, <laughs> yeah. but here's the thing. You've got to respect Billy Bean, the general manager there. He's a really smart guy. He knows how to put good young talent together that no one's ever heard of before. And it just might be that they surprise the rest of us. But I'm going with the Rangers in the West. Okay. Uh, the National League East. Well, you got to go with the Phillies. Yeah. Have to go with the Phillies. Um, I think they're the team to beat there. They've got, um, you know, you, you've got... Rollins, you've got Ryan Howard, the guy's a beast. Yeah. Um, and you got you got Halliday there now, and um, I'm just I, I look at the Phillies. I think they um, they're certainly going to be contenders to win the National League pennant, but I think they they're going to be the team to beat in the East. Although I like I like um, the Marlins. Uh, they got a lot of young talent. The Mets are a team that. I used to try to pick just for the hell of it, and uh, they always look good on paper. The problem is they got to play on grass, and um, I'm just tired of getting beat, disappointed by the Mets. Having said that, if uh, Jose Reyes can come back, I know he just got another injury, but I think he should be back sometime in the spring. Or am I wrong there? No, I think you're right about that. He's yeah. on his way back. You got Beltran. Hey, you never know. David Wright, I'm thinking, should have a better year. Um, you got Jason Bay. You've got actually a good, not a bad lineup. The problem with the Mets is after Johan Santana, I don't even know who's pitching for that team. So, yeah, yeah I don't exactly. know what they got. So, I will go with the Phillies in the East. Okay. I think they're, um, they're definitely a team to look at. And El Central, I hate to say it, but I'm looking at the Cardinals. How can you not? Yeah. Uh, I think they were made to, to play in October. Um, and Albert Pujols is probably the best ball player in baseball, I still. Yeah, I think he's, yeah, that's my opinion, too. He's really uh, at a whole different level. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, 
All right, National League West, which I, I I'm of, I've, I'm hearing different opinions. This is a wild place. Yeah. yeah. National League West. Um, now, you know, let me just say, this is not a division that I've always followed very carefully. I'm out in the East, and I'm more of an American League kind yeah, of guy. Yeah, so it's like the furthest. Yeah, the same in the yeah, same. Yeah, so like who gives a crap? But the, <laughs> the thing is, it's it's actually once I started really researching these guys, it's a really exciting division. Anything is possible. There's four teams, it looks like, that really can do something. Uh, I think the Rockies and the Giants, the Dodgers, and the D-backs are all all have possibilities there yeah. to contend. Uh, the Padres look like they're just, they just they don't have anything. Um, I'm kind of liking the Rockies. Nice. I think they've, okay. they're um, they're kind of the antithesis of what the Rockies used to be, which was you know big lumbering power hitters. These these new Rockies play small ball. Uh, they got a lot of good slap hitters. They're fast. Um, I don't know who their pitchers are, but every time I'm I'm studying these guys, it seems like they got good young pitchers. Hmm. I'm just going on a hunch. Yeah, I'm hearing and, a lot of buzz about the Rockies this year, so you and, might be on the right track. And I can't, I just can't get myself to vote to root for the Giants. I don't know. Is it a mental block? Is there a problem with <laughs> Rich Dolan and the Giants? I guess there is. Um, however, I will say that I'm looking at the Dodgers. Um, I'm not a fan of the Dodgers, but when I look at their pitching, I see them as having a very good pitching staff. Um, I still see Manny Ramirez as having one more good season with him, and they've got an outfield that is excellent even without Manny. Um, They're a very good team. I'm picking the Rockies to win the division. I'm picking the Dodgers to win the wild card in the National League. Okay, nice. All right, so we've got your divisional picks. Who do you have for the American League championship? American League pennant? Yeah. Yankees. All right. It's got to be the Yankees. Okay, and then and in the what's that? National League. National League. I haven't even picked until like right this instant. Okay. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to use my uh, proven psychic powers to pull a flash out of my mind, and it's oh my god, it's going to be the Dodgers. Wow. All right. Greg Bishop will be happy to hear that. Well, they just surprised me. They just popped up in my head. So there we go. Okay, and then to win the whole thing, Yankees. <laughs> Yankees, dude. That's that's my prediction. Has anyone else predicted the Yankees yet? We've got a lot of Yankee predictions. Uh, let me see. One, actually, surprisingly, uh, no, only uh, Adam Go Rightly's picked the Yankees so far. So okay, we've got. I picked the Red Sox uh, on the logic that if the Yankees could win the uh, the World Series last year using just three pitchers, then the Red Sox, you know, using that logic, the Red Sox should be in contention too. Then. Uh, but Go Rightly's got the Yankees. Lauren Coleman has the Red Sox. Jason Offit, who's new to the special, has the Cardinals. Yeah, okay. And uh, Paul Kimball has the Phillies. So. Oh, well, yeah, any of those are possible. Obviously. Yeah, so it's a uh, yeah, so there's good mix here this year. That's the thing about these predictions. It's it's so difficult. Oh um, yeah. It's, yeah. And it's almost impossible to predict the, you know, what team is going to be the surprise new good team. Uh, the Rays, for example, caught me completely off guard when they started to become a good team. It's just hard to know. It's hard exactly. to know unless unless you really follow this twenty four seven, which sadly I do not any longer. My my days of maniacally following the the teams are long gone. So for me, it's more of a, a fun predilection. 
uh, and a diversion rather than something that I really follow as a fan. Yeah, and you, you never know what's going to happen in the season anyway, because like some dude, you know, needs Tommy John surgery in June, and next thing you know, <laughs> there goes the season exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm one of these uh, rare Yankee fans who actually likes the Red Sox, and I even like the Mets. What can I say? You're a good person. Well, thank you, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, as we we close it out here, what's what's going on with you? I hate to be the I hate to be the guy that asks again, but when's the next book coming out? <laughs> well, I've, I've been uh, I've been very busy actually. Uh, my my last book that came out was last summer. That was mm-hmm. the second volume of UFOs in the National Security State, and uh, that was a big project. It took many many years for me to get that done, and, and um, it's six hundred pages, and I'm happy it's out. Um, I've got. I've actually got uh, two book projects in the works. One I, I'm not feeling that I want to discuss yet, but I think I may have a surprise book out uh, later this year. Oh, nice! Uh, even before the third volume of my history is out. But the third volume of the history is is uh, something that I'm absolutely researching and um, writing, um, and I do believe that the third volume of that will be out within maybe two years from now. I think there's a good shot for that. Uh, meanwhile, though, I've got another book that I will be uh, working on, that I am working on. I think I can do kind of quickly. That's why I'm doing it now. Nice. And I'm hoping uh, late summer I may have something to talk about. Awesome. And what's going on with this TV series I'm hearing rumblings about? Well, you know, the thing is we've we um, got a really nice uh, team of people together for a, a TV show, kind of like another version of the UFO Hunters. Uh, in fact, I, I did a show something like this uh, before there was UFO Hunters in 2006. Yeah. I had a show called Sci-Fi Investigates, and um, I've got a team together, um, um, and we, we shot a, a pilot um, dealing with a UFO situation in Washington, D.C., and we've, we've been shopping it around. The pilot um, is not on YouTube, but we have another like three-minute clip that we put when we were out at Montauk, nice. and that's on YouTube. Uh, long story short, we've we've got this shopping around to network executives. This this is a process. I remember this from when I went through it three years ago. It takes forever for these things. Yeah. To uh, four years ago, God. It, so I'm told that we've got interest by a number of the major cable networks. Um, in what we have, and all I can say is I've not gotten any kind of firm commitment. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, it would be fun. I enjoyed doing TV. Nice. Uh, when I had a show a couple of years ago, and I, I think I would enjoy it again. Awesome. So folks, you just stay tuned. The thing about TV is that uh, when you do a TV UFO investigation, it, it's very difficult really to do it the way you want to do it. Uh, the good part of it is that usually there's a budget involved and you can you can do things that would be difficult to do otherwise, like use certain types of equipment, um, fancy equipment that yeah. looks great on TV, and sometimes it could, could even be useful <laughs> a little bit. But the problem with a TV investigation is that uh, you, you got no time. You know, you're on a budget. Uh, of time and money, yeah. and so everything is just mapped out. It's got to be very rigidly adhered to, or you're going to blow your budget. You're going to lose your schedule, and so uh, it's my experience in, in seeing this and, and participating in it firsthand at times is that it's just always going to fall short to what you want it to be. And I think this is the nature of the beast, unfortunately. But we, within those within those uh, constraints, I think that uh, the show that we are working on. Assuming we get a green light, and I think we will, 
it's called first contact, by the way. Um, I can tell you I've, I have a lot of uh, say into uh, the shows that we actually do and how we do them. Oh, nice. And I, I can tell you um, that this is unlike the other show I was involved in, that if we get it, I'm, I'm going to do everything that I personally can do to make sure that the show has the highest level of integrity and actually does legitimate investigations of, of unknown things. Nice, nice. Yeah, I really intend to do that. Awesome. Well, uh, you've given us a, just a super extra amount of time here, Rich, so I really appreciate it. And it's always great talking to you about the baseball season impending. Even though you're a Yankee fan, uh, you're a friend first and foremost, so it's always good to talk to you about the upcoming season. So thanks a lot for coming back on the show. Best of luck in the prediction contest. Uh, I hope I win, but if I don't win, then I hope that you can reclaim the championship from Mystery Man. So. Why, thank you, sir. <laughs> this is a lot of fun. I have a feeling that my predictions aren't going to be as successful. I took a few chances, but I'll stand by them. There you go. <laughs> You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Ladies and gentlemen, we continue onward here with the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special, and we've got back here on the program, I think this is his fourth appearance on the special. So he is uh, a grizzled veteran of the BOA Baseball League, filmmaker Paul Kimball, Longtime friend of the program. Paul, welcome back to BOA Audio. It's been too long. Hi, Tim. Great to be back on the program. Hopefully my predictions will be a little more intelligible in 2010 than they were in 2009. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Good to be back. Yeah, we both had a pretty down year last year. so. Yeah, didn't you take the Tigers? No, I think I had the Sox actually to win. I think I have them again this year, but... Uh... Uh, I, I went one. For, I went zero for eleven, and you went one for eleven. So we're I both was one for eleven. Yeah. So with the battle within the battle, I beat Benal, and really, that's you know the only battle that I care about. So yeah, but we're both circling the drain. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think we're circling the drain. I think we have to. You know, this is it. If it doesn't happen for us this year, then I think we're down the drain and halfway out to the harbor. So it was, yeah. Well, I gave a lot of chances last year to teams that I should have known better, but. Uh, I'm still doing that, so I haven't <laughs> completely learned my lesson, but I'm at least giving chances to better teams, I think, so we'll see. Not me. I've actually researched and prepared this year, so my predictions are going to come true. I think everyone's going to be surprised by the astoundingly strong predictions from Adam Go Rightly. He's completely abandoned his previous style, and as he actually put out some very strong predictions, so uh, he's in contention, I think. But we'll see what happens. You the never sad know. News, the sad news is Go Rightly beat both of us last year, so and I think his basic method of predicting was throwing things at a dartboard. So essentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know. What's been interesting you here as the season's about to kick off? I know you're a hardcore Red Sox fan, of course. So you know, actually, I'm a hardcore baseball fan. Um, it, for a Canadian, hockey's usually the thing, and of course, the Olympics certainly had our attention not just for hockey, but for all of the Olympics, but certainly hockey and, and, uh, and beating <clears throat> the uh, United States. <laughs> well, you know, it is your sport, so we, we can let you guys win. Yeah, right. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I follow baseball pretty much 365 days a year. I mean, I might not spend hours a day looking at it in the off season, but uh, I keep up with things. To me, the, the big news, obviously, coming from Canada, although I'm not ter- – 
you know, terribly much of a fan of the Toronto Blue Jays. But the big news is seeing Roy Halladay, who I am a fan of. I think he's, if not the best pitcher in baseball, he's certainly in the top five, uh, leaving Toronto after spending his entire career there and, and heading down to Philadelphia. So that, I mean, in a, like every off season, there's always a lot of moves and things going on. But um, to me, that's the the move. It's a game changer, if you will. Uh, and certainly for Toronto, it's a game changer because they only have decent pitcher that they could rely on night in and night out for a, for a quality start is is now down in Philadelphia. So um, chalk rebuilding next to Toronto's name in the book. But uh, yeah, that would be the big news. And of course, there's a lot of other moves seeing people like Cliff Lee moving to uh, Seattle and Johnny Damon winding up in Detroit and, and all sorts of stuff. It was a busy off season. Um, I suppose the other, and the other thing I would say is the, the, you know, the other big news is St. Louis keeping their guys and, uh, and uh, sort of fortifying their lineup, making, making things easier for Albert Pujols. So sometimes it's not what you acquire. Sometimes it's just what you fail, you don't lose. And in that sense, I, I suspect St. Louis and Philadelphia both came ahead this year. Yeah, and the Twins, too, by re-signing Joe Maurer, So Yeah, although, well, absolutely. Although I think the the Twins, you know, yeah, they keep they keep Maurer, which is great, but you lose Joe Nathan, um, which uh, which is a huge loss. Yeah, you don't, yeah. You don't have a closer anymore. So, um so that whatever good feeling you might have coming out of Minnesota about anything else that they've done, losing Nathan is a major blow. So, you know, you can go down from roster to roster to roster and sort of say, oh, well, you know, Mike Lowell, boy, it must be tough being you, uh, um, and uh, trying to determine what's going to happen to your career. Uh, you can go pretty much for every club and say, well, everybody has made some significant move of some sort. And then it's just a question of how they're all going to pan out. But the one that clearly made, to me, that made one team worse in the short run, at least, Toronto, and one team significantly better in the short run, Philadelphia, was the Halliday move to um, to Philadelphia. And I think if people in the United States who don't follow the Blue Jays as much as we do in Canada, simply because they're on TV, you know, basically every day here. So we get to see most of Halliday's starts, or we did. Um, I think folks in the U.S. who are probably aware of him but haven't seen him on a regular basis are going to um, are going to finally realize just how good a pitcher he is, especially playing for a club that's significantly better than Toronto. If you can win 15 to 17 games for Toronto, 19 to 21 for Philly should be easy. Yeah. So. You know, count, you can, uh, if he's healthy, you can mark Halliday down for 18 wins and an ERA of around three and and uh, trip to the playoffs, which will be something new for him. Yeah, yeah. He's going to do pretty well, I think, and uh, it'll be interesting. Now, what being that you're our Canadian correspondent here on the baseball special, what, what do you think is the problem with the Blue Jays? Obviously, they're in a very tough division, um, but, you know, that didn't stop the Rays, so it's not like that is like the be-all and end-all of the competitive advantage or whatever. Um, so, you know, what do you think the problem is with, with the Blue Jays? Poor management, lack of farm team, whatever, you know. They suck. <laughs> <laughs> you can narrow it down to two simple words, Tim. They suck. Um, well, you know, the Blue Jays won two World Series once, and so it's not like you can't win in Canada. And the right. Expos had very good teams for a number of years, and probably in the strike-shortened or strike-washout year, the Expos may well have won a World Series. So it's not like being in Canada is the problem, necessarily. But there's no question, you know, Toronto is a, first of all, Toronto is a small 
market team in the American sense. I mean, if you want to be a star, you want to play in L.A. or New York or Boston, those major media markets where you can get lots of endorsement dollars. So right off the bat, it's a little harder. Plus, we're in another country, you know, different currency, all that sort of stuff that your average baseball player who perhaps does not have Michio Kaku's IQ um, <laughs> would, would find a little more daunting. So it's a little harder to lure people up here than it might be even to a place like Tampa Bay, which at least is still in the United States. But yeah, no, it basically comes down to poor management, honestly. I mean, they've got Cito Gaston as their manager. Well, he was great back in the early 90s, but he's a retread. Uh, they had J.P. Ricciardi, who they should have fired, I think, several years ago as their general manager, who made a number, a series of bad baseball moves, and, um, you know, they basically just ran the team into the ground. There were some ownership problems, questions of just how much money the owners were willing to pump into the club. And you could look at that and say, well, okay, but the Rays competed at least for one year. And the Rays are not a rich team, certainly. Uh, but the Rays did it partly through luck and partly through good scouting and all that sort of stuff. And the Blue Jays just don't have that. Whatever good scouting system they had in the 80s uh, is largely gone. And it seems like their ability to pick talent uh, is gone. And they, the biggest mistake they made is they, they threw a ton of money at Vernon Wells yeah. and tied up a massive, a massive amount of money on an outfielder who, from the looks of it, is probably a 20-80-280 guy. Um, at this point in his career, and you know maybe they'll get lucky, but Wells would have to hit 40 home runs, drive in 120, and hit 300 in order to even remotely justify the contract that he has. And so you know that that cut that symbolizes the bad baseball decision making that's been taking place in Toronto for quite a while. And you know I've never been a real fan of the Jays, so um, I don't particularly care. But you know you, I kind of hate to see them. There's that little Canadian thing, you know, I'd like to see them win at least 70 games, and I think they'll be hard-pressed to do that this year. Yeah. And, you know, good for Baltimore, because I think I think Baltimore's finally found the team that they can step on to get out of the basement. Yeah, it seems like Baltimore's on the upswing for a change, which is good, I guess, uh, for yeah. them. Um, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's just no hope in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, this year and for the conceivable future. And it, part of it is you're playing in a division with Boston and New York, which is never good. But also it's just the general incompetence that uh, has been plaguing the Blue Jays franchise. So, you know, I think there's going to be an awful lot of television sets in Canada this summer that are turned to games being broadcast from south of the border. I don't think there's going to be very many people watching Blue Jays games unless they're playing somebody like Boston or New York or, you know, somebody that matters. Yeah. Well, luckily they play him a shitload, so. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that is true, and that's probably the saving grace for the front office in the in the Blue Jays franchise. You know, you get to mark New York and Boston down for uh, for at least a couple of home stands, so that should bring in some money, but other than that, I mean, it's definitely a franchise that's reeling. I wouldn't say it's in trouble, but they're just, they're treading water. They've been treading water for 10 or 15 years, and never being too bad and never being really any good, sort of eh, 75 to 85 wins, which if you were in the American League Central, one out of every five years, that would probably get you in the playoffs. But they're not. They're in the American League East, and at some point you have to decide, well, okay, uh, do we – how do you do it? You've got three strategies. You try and spend with the Red Sox and the Yankees. Well, that's not going to work. It's not realistic. Or you resign yourself to being the Pittsburgh Pirates of the American League, you know, 17, 18 straight losing seasons, 
and hope that there's enough baseball fans in your hometown to allow you to at least keep the franchise going. Well, Toronto's not Pittsburgh. It's not a baseball town, inherently a baseball town, so that doesn't work. So the only other strategy that you can employ is sort of Tampa Bay strategy, which is load up, or Florida's, load up, take a run, and then spend three or four years rebuilding, load up, take another run. But realize you're not going to be a dynasty. You're not going to win every year, but you might have a shot at making the playoffs every three or four years. And then once you're in the playoffs, anything could happen. So that's the strategy the Blue Jays should have employed, but they haven't. I think the Blue Jays still, it's kind of like watching the British after the end of the Second World War. It took them a while to realize they weren't a, a superpower anymore. And I think the Jays, it took them far too long to realize that in a division with Boston and the Yankees, they weren't a superpower. They were just a team that had some really good management, made some very good decisions, and had a good run in the in the 80s and early 90s. But they couldn't sustain that. They didn't have the economic resources to sustain it. But they failed to change their strategy. So they, they tried to continue to compete even though they didn't have those resources, and it's ruined, it's wrecked the franchise. And now they're going to have to rebuild, and they're going to have to adopt one of those other two strategies, you know, either be Pittsburgh or try and do what Tampa Bay does, which is take a run every now and then and see if that works. Yeah, that's the difficulty of a team that's, like you say, sort of in the middle of the pack, because at least Tampa Bay, they were so awful that they, they're probably riding on like at least four or five, six uh, first-round Number one, number two draft picks. You know what I mean? Like Longoria and a couple of the pitchers and stuff are all first, the first pick in the draft. So it's like if, yeah. you, if you have five years worth of the number one draft pick, you know, that's a, <laughs> you're usually in pretty good shape. Well, yeah, you know, the same thing happened uh, in any in any sports league. You know, the Celtics went through a period of time where they were horrible, um, but eventually you hit the bottom of the barrel and unless you make terrible decisions, you're probably going to, that's why people love going into the, the NBA draft lottery. You're probably going to have a shot to get a, a Kobe Bryant or a LeBron James, uh, or in baseball, you know, an Evan Longoria or somebody yeah. and maybe build around that person and a few others make a couple of smart free agent acquisitions, not some guys who are in their mid thirties and on the downturn, but, you know, pick up a couple of players in maybe their late twenties who still have a few good years left, but, they're they're um, they're not stars, but they can be solid foundational players, you know, like a, like well, like a Lowell, that kind of guy, um, and plug him into your lineup for a couple of years, and and then see see if you can make a run. And the one thing the Blue Jays had was they, pitching, and they they had a bit of bad luck too. Some of their young pitchers got injured, and uh, and didn't perform up to expectations. But it doesn't matter. They were still never going to be able to challenge the Yankees or the Red Sox the way the the Rays did. And uh, and they're not going to for the next five, maybe six, seven years. Yeah. So if you live in Toronto, tough luck. That's uh, that seems to be the case. Now, what about our beloved Boston Red Sox? Obviously, they've made a bunch of off-season moves. You know, a good chunk of the starting lineup is all new guys. So it'll be interesting to see how the team holds up uh, when the season starts. But what do you think of some of these new guys? Um. Well, it's sort of a general comment for Boston. I think they're in a they're a team in decline, and their moment has passed. And so I haven't seen anything. And I think the dividing line for that was losing many or letting many Ramirez go, yeah. whether you like Ramirez or not or whatever. Um, and I like Jason Bay as a player. I really do. He's a good he's a good player, and he's not there anymore either. But 
he was no Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez just had a swagger. He had something, well, he had drugs in him too, but yeah. there was just something about Manny Ramirez that as soon as he was gone, I think that kind of said, wow, okay, Boston, um, you're, in a, you're in a bit of rebuilding mode. Now, the difference with Boston is they have so much money that even when they go into rebuilding mode, unless they make the worst decisions ever, they can avoid the trap the Blue Jays fell in. They can remain competitive, and if they get lucky, they might actually go somewhere. So a rebuilding mode for Boston, I think, is, is different than a rebuilding mode for a team like Toronto. But to me, there's no question that Boston is um, not a contender. I mean, they will probably squeak into the playoffs as a wild card, but they would have to get massively lucky and go on a tremendous roll with anything's possible, but to make the World Series. And I think that's probably the case for the next uh, couple of years because their pitching staff looks solid. I mean, they've got a bunch of pretty good guys there, but all of those guys have question marks next to their name. Beckett, Wakefield, don't even get me started on Daisuke, um, you know, uh, John Lester even. All of them good guys. If they all come together, if it all gels, then they've got a really good pitching staff. Um, but the day-in, day-out lineup, I just look at it and I go, they can't compete with the Yankees. Um, that lineup is just not competitive with New York. And there are other teams in the American League that I think can can handle Boston now, too. So I think they've lost a bit of their swagger. People aren't afraid of them. That's the other thing. When you had Manny in the lineup, people were afraid of you. Yeah. Like, that guy was a game changer. And I just don't think they have a game changer in their lineup. They have some good players, but there's no game changer. And most of the other major contenders, whether on the mound or in your lineup, have somebody like that that other teams fear. I guarantee you, people in the National League are going to be afraid of Roy Halladay. Every time he walks out there, you know, somewhere in the back of the mind of the opposing team, they're going to be thinking, nah, this is probably going to be an L, isn't it? We're not going to get a W today unless we get lucky. And I just don't think there's anybody in, on the Red Sox that's, um, no matter how many good players they have, they don't have that one great player that can do that. So, I'm in agreement with you on that. I agree. They need uh, They need one more big bat and someone with a certain you know, a certain air about them, like a Pujols or a Prince Fielder or someone like that, like a brute. They need a brute. Yeah. And Big Poppy's no, you know, he needs, he needs, he works best as a tandem with a brute guy. Yeah, and you know, the whole thing with Mike Lowell, I mean, who knows, they're all professionals, so who knows what that'll do to the clubhouse, but that was just handled poorly. And, um, you know, it's just, it seems like Boston... There's a little too much drama, and there's just not enough talent to um, to compete, certainly, with the Yankees. And folks can probably uh, figure out by the amount of times that I'm mentioning the Yankees that, much to my chagrin, they're probably going to be my pick to win the American League. But we'll we'll wait for the prediction section. But, um, yeah, you know, I think there's there's been a differentiation, a sort of a, there's separation opening up between Boston and New York and the American League East. And uh, if you're a Boston fan, that's not a good thing. It is not a good thing, but I'm hopeful still because I watch them every day, so I will hold on hope, but, you know. Sure, I see at least one game a week and uh, sometimes even two or three, and um, you never know. It's not like they suck. It's not like they're the Blue Jays and hopeless. The Red Sox still have a good core of talent, and they do have a good pitching staff, and they can compete. I just don't think they can compete on a consistent level that's going to see them get to the World Series. But there's, they're definitely a playoff contender. And you never know. 
the Yankees get hammered by injuries or, um, you know, everything rolls their way, then Boston still has enough talent, as many teams do, to get to the World Series, you know, like a Colorado. Exactly. Colorado, Colorado wasn't the best team in baseball when they made the World Series. Neither were the Rays. But everything fell for them. Everything went right. The right teams lost in the playoffs. Maybe they didn't have to face them. Their players got hot. I mean, Boston has that kind of talent. But you have they're one of those teams that can has to win um, with everything clicking, whereas a team like the Yankees can win even if maybe not everything's clicking the way it's supposed to be clicking. And that's the difference between the two. I'll agree with that. Yeah, they are uh, fiendish, those Yankees. Yes, they are. But I'm hoping for some kind of uh, some kind of problems with their starting pitching. That's my only hope, I guess, because their lineup is just too strong. Even if they lose, well, they did lose Matsui and Damon, so but they got that center fielder from the from the Tigers, so it's almost a push. Yeah, Curtis Granderson, and you know, well, I think it is a push. Um, I, Damon's a decent player, but uh, frankly, I'd probably rather have Curtis Granderson in the lineup. And, uh, you know, there's just so many other people, veterans, young guys. I mean, and anytime you have Alex Rodriguez in your lineup, guess what, Boston fans? Alex Rodriguez is a game changer. Yeah. And you don't have a guy like that. So that you had Manny Ramirez. He was that guy. But uh, you need an Alex, whether you like him or not, you need to get a guy like that in your lineup. And then, you know, yeah, sure, Boston can run out like John Lester, Josh Beckett, those guys. But. I got news for you. The Yankees can run out A.J. Burnett and C.C. Sabathia and Andy Pettit, who's still a good clutch pitcher. I mean, when you're looking at putting your fifth spot to guys like young guys like Chamberlain and Hughes or whatever, and you've got still got Mario, Mariano Rivera in your bullpen, where's the weakness on the Yankees roster? I, I just don't see a weakness. So Middle relief, maybe. That's about it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but you know, they're the Yankees. They can get one or two guys halfway through the season who can plug in the middle relief hole if they really want to. Yeah, it seems like no matter who you get, no matter what team, middle relief always blows the games, it seems. I'd like to see some kind of statistic, but I've always felt like like if, if you're ever going to blow a game, dude, it's somehow in middle relief. Maybe that's just yeah. what it seems like, but, you know. No, I think you're right, um, but most teams, I think, have trouble with middle relief. Yeah. Uh, so... But, you know, you can always find pitchers, whether it's from within your own organization or whether uh, it's somebody like Chamberlain who's not working out as a starter, so you stick him in middle relief and he gives you an inning or two that you need. Or you go find a guy like Jeff Nelson and you pull him off somebody else's scrap heap and suddenly you turn him into a pitcher that uh, can shut the place down for two innings. And the Yankees, with the exception of a couple years recently where, you know, they had some down years, they've been exceptionally good um, as long as Cashman's been there, at finding those people and uh, and paying for them and then getting them in their lineup. And, there's, you know, they won. They won the World Series, and there's a swagger back in New York. It's almost like they lost their identity for a bit, and, oh, my God, Boston's won a World Series? Oh, you know, it's sort of an existential crisis in Yankee land. But they're they're back. It's like the Cylons. They're back, and they're, they're pissed off, and they won a World Series, and they remember what it was like and who they are, and, yeah, we are the Yankees. We're the best team in the history of baseball. Well, let's just keep winning then. And I think once that's scary. Once they have that, you know, then they're trouble. And in Boston, it almost seems like I've – been, I've been watching because we get the Boston channels up here, you know, the sportscasters. Yeah. And it almost seems like 
the Red Sox are going back, and their fans in particular are going back to that era where it was like, oh, we just can't compete with New York. You know, we're good, but we're not that good. And that self-doubting thing. And it was it was like we were in a bizarro universe for a few years there where Boston was actually New York and New York was Boston. But I think those days are over. I think it's gone back to the status quo. I think a little bit, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, Part of I don't just mean the be- media. I mean, they're kind of like they're like what was me all the time about the Red Sox. But it's true. The fans are kind they- of they're they're more they won't stand for rebuilding. That was the big thing here in the off season because they said that they were that this year would be kind of a rebuilding year, and then it caused this huge uproar in Boston because we won't stand for rebuilding that's that was the sort of then they had to like backtrack and they were like no 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 no, no. we don't mean we don't mean rebuilding in in that sense or some shit like that so it's like well they're rebuilding but no one wants to say it yeah well that's the thing they won't it's not that they won't stand for rebuilding they won't stand for management saying they're rebuilding there is a there's a subtle difference there and uh, even when the red sox are rebuilding you know they should be able to win 85 games so yeah um, their rebuilding year most teams in Major League Baseball would kill for a Boston rebuilding year. But um, but it's still, you know, it's, they're in a, a different phase, and I think there seems to be just a little more existential angst about it all, which, you know, actually makes me feel more like a Red Sox fan again. Because winning, we don't wear well. <laughs> you, you sort of, <laughs> you, wander around, you wander around and go, wow, did, did we win? It's almost like being at a bar and being the not most attractive guy, like you're the number two guy, and suddenly the really pretty girl in the bar says, yeah, sure, I'll dance with you, and you sort of go to the bathroom, and you go, did that just happen? Was I dancing with that? Is she still out there, Fred? You know, (laughs) yeah, well, okay, we're back, and uh, so now she's she's back talking to the suave guy at the bar, and and we're sitting at our table with our drink going, well, why can't it be us? And that's sort of, um, that's what Boston's like this year, and there you go, that's probably the strangest analysis of the Boston Red Sox that anyone's going to come up with this year. I think so, and that includes all all sports broadcasts across the board. So. <laughs> exactly. I do, I do my best. All right, it's prediction time. Are you ready to rock and roll on this one? Dum da da dum. Nice. All right, yes. good. It's going to be quite a field this year because there's seven guests on the baseball special plus me. That's eight plus all the people on the forum. So we're looking at quite a battle uh, for yeah, supremacy. The people, on, the people on the forums don't count. <laughs> just don't, kidding. Dude, the you guy... Crazy. You crazy forum people, I'm just kidding. One guy on the forum had 7 out of 11. He actually beat everybody, including all the audio guests. He's going to be on the show this year. So we made a new rule. Whoever wins on the forum gets to be a guest on the show. So He was clearly cheating, that's what I would say. He's just and a, go rightly. He's just a crazy Yankee fan and just backed him to go all the way. And, you know, he lucked out, so... Well, I have news for him. I may be doing the same thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've noticed that that, <laughs> that strategy seems to have come up. Um, okay, so let's get down to business. AL East, who do you have? I'm going to presume the Yankees. Well, I was seriously considering the Baltimore Orioles, but I'm going to pick the Yankees, yes. Were you really considering the Orioles or no? No. Actually, that brings me to one other point. Uh, since you seem very well-researched this year, I will ask you uh, – Obviously, we just got your pick for the AL East, but any uh, any sort of breakout team that you have in mind, not necessarily to make the playoffs or anything like that, but a team to watch maybe that might improve their winning percentage, you know, might go from, you know, winning an extra 20 games or something like that. Well, wait until you hear the rest of my predictions. Oh, there, okay. there are There are two sneaky little teams that are going to sneak in, and, uh, 
and they are my picks for most improved teams, teams that will make a bit of a difference this year. Oh, so we're like on a psychic wavelength here. Okay. Exactly. AL Central, who you got? Well, I'd pick the Minnesota Twins, except for Nathan, so I'm not going to. I'm going to go with your little friends, the Detroit Tigers, this year. Ah, okay. Got a pretty solid lineup, some decent pitching. They're not going to do anything in the playoffs, but they're going to get there. Okay, see, we differed on this one. I was really close to backing the Tigers, but I ended up going with the White Sox. So That was my mistake last year. I, I think I went with the White Sox. We flip-flopped on that. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out well for either of us. <laughs> and watch now. We'll both <laughs> be wrong and the Twins will win again. Yeah, it's going to be the Kansas City Royals. There you go. Uh, all right, the AL West. Ah, uh, well, here comes one of my little slimy picks. Uh, I'm going with the Seattle Mariners. All right. I think the Mariners have just enough talent, and the Angels have lost just enough talent, and Texas has a manager on cocaine. So you know, um, I'm thinking that the Mariners, you know, will get one or two wins more than the other guys and uh, and sneak into the playoffs again. And good, because I like Ichiro. I think he's, a, a you know, one of the great players of all time. So it would be nice to see him sort of back in the playoffs. Indeed. Now, you're not the only one to pick the Mariners, so. True. But they are a slight trendy pick, but when you ask which teams are going to improve, well, I'm saying there's a team oh, that's yeah. probably going to be 10, 15 wins better than they were last year. Absolutely, and I think the uh, the Angels will the opposite of improve. I don't know, least improved. Yes. They're going to they're devolve. One, they're, they're in that category of teams like the Red Sox in, in a sort of decline, and uh, the question will be whether they can sort of weather the storm and or not. So, Okay, and then the AL wild card. I was really considering the Kansas City Royals, but I can't do that. Um, I'm going to pick the Red Sox, and partly out of loyalty and partly because, you know what, of all the teams that are left, they still have a half-decent lineup and good pitching, and it should be enough to get them into the playoffs. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, you really, you're breaking the hearts of Baltimore and Kansas City fans. You'd never consider either of those teams, did you? The weird thing, no. And the weird thing is, I actually quite like Kansas City. Um and uh, I couldn't care less about Baltimore, but, you know, I kind of like the Royals. They're they're like the cute, fluffy little teddy bear that never threatens anybody <laughs> because they can't possibly win. But they do have a really, really great young pitcher there, yeah. and he's fun to watch. So um, Kansas City's worth watching one out of every four or five games. Yeah, when they play your team. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, any team. Just I'm a big fan of pitching. I've ne- I was never a big offense guy. I mean, tonight, the long ball didn't do it for me. So I can legitimately state with no hypocrisy that the whole Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa era, I didn't like it anyway. And um, so count me in on one of those people who was never a fan of theirs. I like, now, to be fair, I did like good pitching, and Clemens and a few others were juiced too. But uh, when you see a guy like, uh, what's his name, Granky, Grinicky? Granky, yeah. Grinjo, I don't know. Zach, <laughs> I'll just call him Zach. There you go. Um, Kansas City boy. He's just fun to watch. You know, it's just a pleasure to watch a guy like that pitch. And so um, I don't care. They could be playing Baltimore, and I'd, I'd probably want to watch. Okay, the National League East? The Philadelphia Phillies. All right. Or as I like to call them, Roy Halladay Phillies. Or the uh, National League Yankees. Pretty much, yeah. What they're becoming. The National League Central, who you got? I've got the St. Louis Cardinals. It's going to be a tight one this year. <laughs> well, yeah, but the Cardinals just, they got, if you know, they've no, I mean got amongst, a lot. No, I mean amongst, <laughs> I mean amongst oh. all of our picks. Oh, are we all picking the same teams? 
relatively with a few, you know, it's going to like come down to the AL Central or, you know, juxtaposed uh, wild card type picks. I think we all learned from last year. You know, hey, yeah, I guess it's trendy to pick the Texas Rangers, but no, <laughs> let's stick with solid picks. And, uh, yeah, as I was saying to, I forget if it was Lauren or Jason, uh, who I talked to earlier today, it seems like the window's closed now on the Cubs. They yes. they had the chance a couple years ago, they, you know, and they just blew it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's over for the Cubs. They're entering a rebuilding mode as well. Um, so the cards, they just keep chugging along, you know. They've got a good, solid team, good, solid management, and uh, I don't know, the decision to bring Mark McGuire back is, is loopy. But um, other than that, you know, they make good decisions. So they're always a contender. Okay, the National League West. This one's going to be hotly contested as well, I think. The Los Angeles Doyeros. Okay. I just can't seem, and I'm going to talk about this with Bishop when I talk to him tomorrow night, but I just can't seem to get behind the Dodgers. I don't know what it is. And they always prove me wrong every year so far for the last two or three years. So I don't know. I'm not behind them this year at all. I think it has something to do with, it's hard to bet against a team that has Joe Torre managing it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they've got an awful lot of good talent there. And um, I have to have somebody to cheer for when I go out to visit Greg later this summer, so I'll cheer for the Dodgers. Fair enough. And the National League wild card. Well, here's another one of my sort of little slightly weird picks, although they're not that weird. I'm going for the San Francisco Giants. All right, nice. Because I like the pitching staff. Their offense is still mediocre, but they've got, you know, once you can start with Lincecum and work your way down through, you know, even Barry Zito now seems to have acclimated to, to San Francisco. Yeah. And he's their, what, three or four guy? So I wouldn't mind having Barry Zito as my three or four guy. They've got a good pitching staff, and I think that's probably enough to get them in. Although, you know what, the Atlanta Braves look good. They've got a good team, and it's Bobby Cox's last year, so maybe they, they would be my other choice. Um, yeah, that's my wild pick, card pick. So, but I'm going to pick the Giants. Little, little out in the limb there. <coughs> Fair enough. And then I have the Giants and the Mariners in the World Series. No, I'm just kidding. Oh Jesus! <laughs> sound like Go Rightly now. Who do you have for the American League champions? Oh uh, well, I got the Yankees. Fair enough. And in the National League, I've got the Phillies. Ah, all right. So a rematch. Indeed. And then, who do you have to win it all? Two words for you. Roy Halladay. He is a difference maker, and he is going to lead the Phillies back to the promised land. Six or seven games over the Yankees. Wow. All right. I like this. I like the boldness of this call. Yeah, I like Cliff Lee, but Roy Halladay is a better pitcher, and that's what they were missing last year, as far as I'm concerned, was that one guy that could knock in, down two or three guaranteed wins, and that's going to be Halliday. He will change. They're already a great team, but he will change the culture there a little bit, and, um, yeah, they're going to take the Yankees out. Nice. I like that. All right. It's going to be a very tight race here in the Benal League, but there's just enough disparity between all the different picks that I think we'll have an undisputed winner. And you'll be happy to know that the Kimball rule actually had to be used in effect this year because Bishop and Lauren Coleman tied, and then I had to use transposed picks to break the tie. So transposed picks do count for something. It's just nice to know that the, there is a rule named the Kimball rule. So it flatters my ego, which um, is considerable. Yeah, and it doesn't involve any urine testing. Well, that's the part about it I don't like, but okay, sure. Oh, yeah. did you say testing or tasting? Testing or tasting. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, the, less, 
the less we say about that, the better. <laughs> Always good to keep my private life out of <laughs> out of radio shows. Yeah, let's keep your urine off the show. Uh, on that note, I thank you again for coming on the show. What's going on with you here in the uh, in the future? You got a movie coming out soon, or what? What's up with the vampire movie? Yeah, two weeks. We it premieres in Halifax. I'm just waiting for the email con information from the theater, but April 16th or 17th, but it should be the 16th. And then it'll be, uh, they're taking it to Cannes, not to screening Cannes, but it's a major film market, and uh, hopefully it'll be on TV, DVD, in your theaters, whatever. We have a distributor out of L.A., so once I finish the film, it's up to them. But it's been a long time. It's taken longer than it should have, but I get sidetracked with ghost hunting for a year in between. So um, now that the ghost hunting's over, we finally finished the film. So, uh, yeah, after that, it's um, it looks good in the fall to go into production on my next feature, which hopefully will have a budget with seven figures, not six, which is the uh, science fiction one that I uh, co-wrote with the late Mac Tonys. Nice, nice. That's doing time, correct? Yes, although the title might be changing to the Omega Protocol, which sounds more... Whoa science fictiony and filmy certainly does yeah i was going to call it avatar 2 but my lawyers tell me that that's probably not a good <laughs> idea so is this going um, to be filmed in 3d <laughs> yeah. um well yes in the sense that everybody is working on it we will be in a 3d universe as we're working on it but it's yeah no it's going to be Unfortunately, in a 2D universe. Well, while I have you here, what, what do you make of this 3D, as a filmmaker, what do you make of this 3D fad? I'm disgusted by it, to tell you the truth, especially once I heard that Jackass 3 was going to be in 3D. It's like, you're ruining your, you know, it just I just don't like it. But what do you think, because you're, you're a filmmaker? I think 3D is fun for animation. There's an, Isn't there some new dragon film that's out now? Yeah, kids chasing dragons or whatever. I mean, it's cute for stuff like that, or up. Uh, it can work. I think um, it worked for Avatar because Avatar is basically an animated film. Um, and I saw Avatar, and I don't think it should have won a Best Oscar, a Picture Oscar, and it didn't. I don't even think it should have been nominated. But I recognize the technical achievement. I enjoyed the film. And it's sui generis, as we lawyers would say. Um, although the, the next Avatar, they'll make it in 3D too. But I don't think it's the way that filmmaking is going to go or should go. But I think it works on a case-by-case -case basis for those rare films that fit the 3D mold, and Avatar was one of them. But I, I think, you know, what, you're going to make The Hurt Locker in 3D or the latest Sandra Bullock comedy in 3D? Well, who cares? The, for that, for those kind of films, which is the vast majority of films, I think regular 2D is fine. And that's usually the way it's gone down and the way it's happened. The only possible thing, Tim, not to um, natter on about this, but the only possible thing that might actually change it is the overwhelming success of Avatar, the amount of money that they've made off of that thing. But it won't change the way that films are made, like those Sandra Bullock's films. What will happen potentially is they'll just stop making them or they won't make as many. And they'll say, hey, you know what? Instead of spending 50 million bucks to make six romantic comedies that probably won't make their money back, why don't we just spend $300 million bucks to make one Avatar-like film, put it in 3D, and make $3 billion? And that might be the new economic model that's coming for films. And if it is, I think that's a horrible development, not only for filmmakers, but for film goers, too. 
Um, and it will squeeze out the so-called middle class of filmmaking, which is basically anyone who wants to make a film between $10 million and about $100 million um, might become a thing of the past. And that would be bad. Wow. On that note, what about uh, best evidence? There we go. Sorry. What, yeah, about, about, what about best evidence? Uh, I know we've been waiting for the U.S. DVD release for a while. Any news on that? Well, we changed distributors. Um, we, Our old distributor, we finally politely parted ways with them. Um, they just didn't get UFO films. What we're going to do is redo the narration, which has been the single most um, vehement criticism that most people have had against the film we used um, as you know who we used, a uh, young, young actress. And I'm well familiar most, with that, yes. And people, it's not necessarily that they don't want to hear a woman's voice, they just don't want to hear that woman's voice, I guess. So we're going to go back to the truth. It'll probably wind up being me narrating it, and um, we're going to be working on that in about a month once we finish up all the paperwork on Eternal Kiss. And then, yeah, it should be out on DVD, you know, knock on wood, probably by the early summer because we now have a distributor in the United States that distributes most of my other UFO-related films that understands that market. So Excellent. All right, well, yeah. it was great, as always, having you on the show, Paul. We'll have you back again, I'm sure, in the future, and uh, good luck with all the other stuff. Always fun to be here, Tim, and talk to a fellow Boston Red Sox fan. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Continuing onward here with the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special, we've got longtime Ben All of America friend and still reigning record holder for most appearances ever on BOA Audio. Once he heard that we managed to squeeze Adam Go Rightly on, he roused himself from the sickbed to appear on the program so, we, <laughs> so he could uh, nullify Go Rightly's appearance. He is really battling the elements in a big way here this week, uh, this year for the special. He's sick as a dog. But much like his uh, National League West counterpart, Adam Go Rightly, he's fighting through it and uh, ready to take on the competition here on the BOA Audio Baseball Special. Of course, he's the author of the hugely popular project, Beta. That's a must-read for any serious student of ufology. And he's the host of Radio Mysterioso, which airs on Sunday nights. You can find out more about that at his collective blog, UFO Mystic. He is, of course, Greg Bishop. As I said, long-time friend of the program. Welcome back, Greg. Thanks for having me back. Listen to my great voice. <laughs> you know what? Right before you called, when you woke me up, I had a dream that I wrote a new book. Really? Tonight or? Just now when you called. Strange. I had a dream that I wrote a new book, and for some reason it had to do with Frankenstein, Dracula, UFO abductions, and... And UFOs in general, I guess. So Frankenstein, Bigfoot, and you. No, no, it was Frankenstein, Dracula, and UFOs. <laughs> wow. I don't know why, but that was the subject of the book, and I wrote it. And apparently I wrote it in like a, an hour or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I think that's a sign you have to go forward with this book. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh man. So yeah, you're not you're not doing too well. You're barely hanging on there, but you've managed to make it onto the baseball special, so I appreciate that quite a bit. I can't miss the baseball special, especially when Adam's been on. Wait, is he sick too? No, he's traveling to like some strange African country. Oh yeah, he's he's in, he went to Africa. Because he, um, his first work, I think. Yeah, although I, I like to believe that he's trying to be adopted by Angelia Jolie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Or Madonna, or did she stop that? She got in trouble, I think, after a while. Yeah, they were like, you can't just take anyone you want. <laughs> you gotta pick orphans, not just kind of orphans. <laughs> I like Angelina Jolie because she's a, she's a pilot and a flying nut, and that means she's okay with me. I didn't know she was a pilot. Yeah, yeah, she's a pilot. Got the money, why not? Exactly. So we got quite the season on our hands here starting out. Uh, as I was saying to Kimball when he was on the show, um, for some reason I just can't get behind the Dodgers. I think maybe it's just because I'm in the American League East and their National League West. They're like as far, The whole division's like as far away from me as possible, so... It's well, like, of course you can't get behind him, and there's no reason you should. Although, except I guess on general principles, yes. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm kind of worried about them because they've lost some good people. Um, their core is going to come through this year, I think, and and get them in contention. I don't know if it's going to get them to the World Series, but it is going to get them higher than people think they are. They will, I, I believe. Yeah. What is the outcome or potential outcome of this whole divorce thing? For folks who don't know, I guess apparently the owner of the Dodgers is being is getting divorced, and it sounds like the team is, you know, one of the assets or something like that, right? Well, they're fighting over uh, yeah, they're fighting over the assets, and that's keeping them from spending or kept them from spending on anybody that was on the market. Um, there weren't a lot of great people on the market, but there were some people, especially some of the pitchers they should have picked up, whose names I cannot think of right now. Can you help me out? Like Lackey? Yeah, like him, like yeah. anyone. Because <laughs> they picked up nobody. I mean, Garrett Anderson, who cares? He's not going to do anything. They picked him up to be a, ben a lefty bench. Um, and he's been his, everything's been declining on him in the last couple of years. Um who else did they get? God, well, they got rid of iChart, Mankiewicz. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know he was called iChart till like sometime, like six months after he got signed by the Dodgers, and I thought that was hilarious. Is that because he makes errors or something? No, he's called iChart because his name is spelled so weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> M-I-N-C-N-T-C-I-T-Z-Z. Yeah, yeah, it's like it should be. It should sound like mink, Minky Wits or something like that. But yeah, yeah. Monkey Wicky. Um, <laughs> he got rid of him. God, but the only they got a good knuckleballer, that guy Charlie Hager, who just made the opening day roster. I think as of today. You can't go wrong with a knuckleballer. No, and he's doing pretty good. And then um, uh, Billingsley melted down today. I was watching the game. Yeah. Um, which he's good at. And uh, Kershaw is doing even better than he was before, which is which, which is nice to see. So they've got like two total potential aces there. They've been coming along really nicely. And Kuroda mowed him down today too, which kind of pleasantly surprised me. He he got like eleven in a row. Oh wow, nice. So, you know, I I think the pitching isn't where it could be, but it's nothing to be really frightened about. How's Manny look? He, you know, he could go either way. And the reason that it might not be bad, the reason he might not go in the negative direction is because uh, contract year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that because he was, you know, you'd think, that, oh, he was off for 50 games, so he got kind of rusty. He was rusty the rest of the year. Yeah, it wasn't a good year for him, huh, last year, obviously. with the No, I mean, he started off like gang, but not like gang, gangbusters, but he started off for Manny okay. Yeah. Maybe a little better than average for Manny, and then he got suspended, and then he came back and he didn't do didn't really do dick for the rest of the year. 
never there when you need him and all that. So we'll see what happens this year. I think in spring training he's been just average. One guy that's been hitting the cover off the ball from, out of nowhere is Blake DeWitt. He's got like a 400 um, average this spring. They're going to stick him at second right away. Oh, wow. Nice. Because he's been hanging out in the minors with them for a couple of years, I think. One of those up-and-down guys. And uh, they let Hudson go, so they had to get somebody to fill that in. And he doesn't have the range that Hudson had, but he, his bats, um, as far as we've seen, is probably a lot better. So maybe the range will come. I don't know. Jamie Carroll was playing um, shortstop today, and he was he was spearing everything. So um, he's going to be for Kyle's backup, so we'll see. Interesting. All right. Nice. Now, I'm hearing a lot of buzz about the Rockies, uh, being that they're in your territory. Are you hearing it too, or, or what? What do you think? Yeah, everybody's excited about them again. Um, I must admit, I, I don't really know anybody else on other teams, just a few scattered superstars. And then when you get into the year, I get to know them a little bit better. Yeah. Then, yeah if you then. ask me right now, I probably couldn't tell you anybody on the Rockies. Yeah, I only know Jeff Francis because uh, I remember him from their playoff run a few years ago. That's it. Yeah, the, the, the buzz, I was about to say the stink I've heard about them, is um, that they're probably going to take the, the West and – from what I've read, even though past my taking into account my past statement, I can't remember who's on the team. <laughs> Considering what I've read and how they've done in the past few years, I tend to agree. Yeah, they're a sleeper team, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, San Diego is not a sleeper team. So San Francisco, and I'm not sorry to Adam, is not a sleeper team, and neither is um, Arizona. Maybe. So you're not feeling it for the Giants still. Well, obviously, because you're a Dodgers fan, but in general, I'd be fair if they were think, thought they were going to do even well, but I don't think they will. They're still they're still trying to climb out of the hole from a for the last few years where they um, they were just all old guys. Yeah, and it, everything was built around bonds. So they have to they have to recover from that, and it takes a while. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. We'll see what happens with them. Obviously, the Padres are fucking awful. I can't even think of anyone on – well, except for that Adrian Gonzalez guy who's, like, barely hanging on. You know what's really funny is they didn't include him in any of their um, – as far as I know, in any of their marketing for this year. It's like, what does that tell you? Yeah. It sounds like he's not long for there. Yeah, well, somebody ought to pick him up, like the Dodgers. Unfortunately, the Dodgers have a pretty good first baseman, Loney. Just goes back to that old DH thing, you know? So yeah, you got to put him someplace. So, how did you feel last year when Manny got suspended? Were you pissed, or just sort of like, you know, three years? I hands was surprised. Up? Yeah, I. You know what? I don't. I don't get um, morally outraged at stuff very much. It's just I think that's the people that have weak constitutions get morally outraged. It's like it's not, especially about people taking steroids in baseball. I mean, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, and it's something that, you know, all the associated um, issues that go along with it, like, you know, what about the stats? What about the children? You know, stuff like that. Yeah, I suppose it's a problem. But, you know, it more or less like, it was more like, I think I had the reaction of most people in L.A., and not probably for the same reasons. It's just like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And what'd you do that for? Now my tickets aren't worth as much, and I don't get to see you play. And I thought it was selfish of him, and but that was about it. Then I was like, oh, well, I'll just wait till he comes back, see what happens. Exactly, yeah. Well, he's 
you know, he's kind of a moron, so... Yeah. Like a savant. I think that's what they call him, uh, you know, a hitting savant. So that kind of is in line with him, you know. Yeah, I heard that about him, but that totally makes sense. He'd have problems reading Cat in the Hat, but he can hit a ball 100 miles. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So now you're going to be going to some games this year, I presume. You usually do uh, out there in in L.A., so what, what can we expect? What's on the docket for you? Well, just a second. Let me grab these tickets. Yeah, I remember doing this last year with you, telling which games we had. You got some good interleague. Uh, it's going to be some. I know the Dodgers are playing. I think they're coming to Boston, though. The Dodgers. I'm not sure. Yes, they are. Yeah, and then the Yankees are coming out there. So you get some interesting. Interleague. <laughs> Tell you how long ago Boston was here. Um, when they came out here, when I saw them, the Dodgers swept Boston. <laughs> wow. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know, maybe like what, two thousand two, three, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay, I got opening day. That's with Arizona. Nice. Then we got Giants, of course. You can't miss them ever. Oh yeah. On uh, three days later, Rockies. Then I can tell you who the names some of the people's on the team: Astros, <laughs> Elevate. I don't know. How do you think the Astros will do? You know, I really don't know. They got uh, their new coach is the former Red Sox bench coach, but I don't know much about, like the Rockies, uh, you know, I don't know much about who's on their team other than Lance Berkman. Yeah, a few years ago they were, like, making making noises about becoming better, but then I haven't heard about much about them since then. Yeah, so I expect they'll probably finish, like, third in that. Which is why it's bobblehead night, which is probably why I bought a ticket for that game. <laughs> Yeah, Detroit, some interleague. I've never seen Detroit play. That should be cool. Detroit's a pretty good team, so. Braves, who are probably going to do quite well. Yeah. Cardinals, who, you know, of course, everybody in L.A. hates now, so you have to go see them. Yeah. One of the Yankees games. Nice. The only way you can get tickets to the Yankees games is if you buy a ticket package or season tickets. They're yeah, really... I heard that, yeah. And then if you do that, you only get one set. Jesus. So they're being dicks. Yeah, I'll say. Damn. Marlins. Um, is it the Marlins that might do it? What's the other team in Florida? The Rays. The Rays. Yeah, I think that. I think that. I, yes, last year I predicted they get up there, up pretty high, and this year I'll do the same. Uh, Cubs. I've got tickets for all three Cubs games because I have a Cubs fan here who who still refuses to go unless the Cubs get to the World Series. He refuses to watch or go to a Cubs game ever again. Oh, He's boy. mad at them. That's some level of commitment. Yeah. And I keep saying, it's free. I'll take you to a Cubs game. No, nope, ain't doing it. So if they're in the World Series, he's not going to watch? No, he only watches if they get to the World Series. Oh, if. Okay. Oh, shit. That takes half the fun out of the magical ride. Yeah, he won't watch them. He won't buy any of their merchandise. He won't listen to them on the radio. And he won't even go to a game that's paid for by a friend of his for his birthday. <laughs> He's really pissed at him. He said also it saves him a lot of money. Um, I don't know how it saves him a lot of money being in L.A., but he says it does. Eh. Uh, maybe time. I don't know. Um, Giants again. Mets. Going to go see the Mets and how bad they suck this year. Padres because it's a bobblehead night. <laughs> Rockies again. Reds who will probably do Midland, fair to Midland this yeah. year. Yeah, but Please because I hate them now. And then towards the end of the year, we got Giants, Rockies, stinking Padres again, D-backs, which might be interesting at the end of the year there. 
and that's about it. Wow. See, that's awesome. I'm so envious. Every year I hear you on here, and I get more and more envious. You see, like, all the great teams that are in the league. I didn't hear any stinkers really in there, you know. Most of them are at least intriguing matchups if they're not, you know, A-list yeah. teams. Um, so. Well, if you moved out here, well, you'd still be a Boston fan if you did. Because, Boston, you know, those big market East Coast teams are – their ticket structure is made up for a bunch of rich people. That's about it. Yeah, and season ticket holders who fucking have had the tickets forever. Yeah, they've had the season. They've had the season tickets since like the Stone Age or something. Oh, my great grandfather had these in 1882 when, you know, when King Kelly was playing for the whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> any crazy stories from your games last year? Did you see any fights or anything or? God, what was memorable from last year? Um, some of the playoff stuff was memorable. There was one game that it was a playoff game, and who was it? Were you at the game when the dude dropped the ball? Yes, that was absolutely unbelievable. And they went on to win that one. I mean, that's that's you know, if he hadn't, they didn't win. Who cares? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. God, who was that? It was them against the Cardinals, and uh, Holiday, I think he's the left fielder, botched the routine. Oh, yeah, and he, he caught it in his he caught it in his um, crotch. Yeah. He, he put the glove out, and it hit him right in the dick. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. It was quite the meltdown there for... <laughs> yeah, for, if only they the could have kept that momentum going, but they went back to um, St. Louis, and they showed him what's what. Didn't, did the Dodgers win at least two with them? I think the Dodgers won. They won the series. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They won the series. That's right. Because they, they 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 won the series. They went to they went. I remember I was in Monument Valley when that happened. I was listening on the radio. Yeah, and then they went to play the Phillies, who who had lunch with them. So. Yeah, that's the second year in a row now. Dodgers have got to the championship round. So you hope that they get it together. Both times they've been thwarted by the Phillies. So I guess that's why they hate them now. I presume. Yeah, you know what? I think if um, I think if they get close this year in a classy way, that Tory will stay one more year. Oh yeah, that's the big thing. Is he gonna? That that's what you think. But if but if they don't even, you know, if they kind of do mid or whatever, if they win it all or if they don't even get close, he's gonna quit. Interesting. Who do you think will be the new guy there? Don Mattingly. That's oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. It's funny though. You think Joe Tory looks even more mellow on the field. And then you 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 see some of you know if you're at the game or you catch something on TV you can see him being pretty damned intense with some people, but the thing is oh, he yeah. knows about it. That's what's so cool about him. Yeah, he doesn't embarrass you in front of everybody, but he doesn't need to. If you're screwing up, you know it really quickly. And if you're screwing up and you you, you know you're it's not your fault or whatever, he'll come out and I've seen him out there talking to people, being a shrink for like ten minutes. Pitchers or whoever. Yeah. I mean, I'll be sorry to see him go. I mean, in New York, he almost, not really autopilot, but I think the play, it was a whole different culture. Yeah, that's more like managing the circus around you and everything else than yeah. the, as much as the game on the field, it seems. Yeah. And out here, you know, there's this culture of being mellow and all this, but the thing is that it's sort of like Hollywood. People have this thing, people out in Hollywood are all mellow, and people in the film industry are, everything's cool, even... I think people know exactly what's going on. They just don't choose to react with panic. 
Yeah. I um, like and they don't choose to react to wear their heart on their sleeve, but they know exactly what's going on, and they know exactly what to do when people are smart to take care of it. And, I, and, and strangely enough, I think that's how Tori is. Indeed. People sure. ask me about that. It's like, what's it like to work? I don't, haven't really worked on films except with Paul and then a couple times a real long time ago in, in L.A., and it's the same in post-production. You have to know exactly what you're doing and do it exactly right every single time or you're out. If there's nothing to do for hours at a stretch, nobody gives a shit or gets on you for it because they know that you're there doing your job when you're supposed to. It's a really weird thing. I mean, it's, suddenly somebody says, this has to be done right now. So you have to do it right now, and you have to not screw up. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as mellow as you think. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I'd handle that. <laughs> and I think that's how it is in baseball, too. I mean, pay attention. Don't make mental errors. I think that's the worst. Mental errors, physical errors, people can take mental errors. You don't get many chances on those. Yeah, like your boy Milton Bradley thinking there was three hours instead of two, and he threw the ball back into the stands last year. Yeah. He's such a clown, that guy. Ugh. Uh, who's, who's, um, who got saddled with him this time? Uh, the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see how they do. Rich Dolan already said they're not going to do well because of the Milton Bradley effect. So we'll <laughs> You know what? He might be right because I had put the Mariners on here, but. It's like, I didn't realize the Milton Bradley effect. They're hoping that Ken Griffey Jr. can mellow him out, but I heard he already got kicked out of, like, two back-to-back spring training games. <laughs> yeah, and then they asked him, like, something about if he had issues with a guy or something, and he's like, I've never played in the minor leagues, and that's a minor league umpire, so I don't know anything about him. And I was like, oh, dude, just keep your mouth shut, please. <laughs> Bradley, he's, he's just, he's a baby. And he always has been. Yeah, it's unbelievable how fucking trouble seems to follow him wherever he goes. And it's like, Jesus, dude. All right, it's time for predictions. Now, last year, you tied with Lauren Coleman. We had to go to the transposed picks, and Lauren nearly edged you out and won the championship. So you're so close. You're like the Dodgers here. I think you will have a serious fighting chance this year. Although, Go Riley's in it to win it this year. He's not using any serious tricks up his sleeve. So we've got even more contention than ever before. He's using what I call the go-rightly moneyball approach, where he just picks teams with the highest salaries, <laughs> which is a pretty uh, smart way of doing it, I think. <laughs> Once I saw his picks, I was you like, You know what? Really? That's funny. That's like the opposite of moneyball. I know. <laughs> That's why I call it go-rightly moneyball. For that reason, that's what makes the joke good. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll start in the National League. Who do you got in the National League East? Phillies. All right. Of course. Yeah, I think that one's across the board. I don't think anyone, I think everybody went with the Phillies. Uh, the Central. Cards. All right. Everybody go with them? Yeah, I think so. Someone might have picked the Cubs, but it's pretty, those two are almost, I think those two are the only ones that are almost definitely across the board the same way. Then there's some shakeup as we go along. So, uh, National League West. I hate to say it, but Rockies. All right. And the wild card. This I don't hate to say, Dodgers. All right. Okay, in the American League East? Because I hate the Yankees so much, I'll do it again. Boston. Nice. And the Central? Um, Chicago. Nice. Yeah, so there's just, there's just enough disparity between the picks that I think we'll have a winner, and it'll be very close this year, I think, across the board. Uh, the West, American League West. Angel. All right. I think that's what I said last year. I think so. And, you know, I see... The, 
I'm watching baseball tonight, and they're saying, you know, don't count them out and all this other shit. So I think I might be looking at another dismal pick on my end because I took the Mariners this year. So For what? For West? Yeah. That's funny. I put them for the next category, wild card. Wow, interesting. All right. They have a great one-two punch there with those two pitchers, so they should be good, but we'll see. Plus, you got to figure – I think they must have some kind of home field advantage from for being in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, it must hurt for, like, road games, but when teams have to travel up there, it's got to take a toll out of those folks. So Yeah, there's nothing else around there. Yeah, and just to get there, like, you got to fly all the way across the country. And even if you fly out to, like, Anaheim to play the Angels, just to fly up to Seattle, you still got to fly, like, up the whole coast. So Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, everybody else is kind of in a row down the coast. Yeah. But what's the next place? Um, Arizona. But then you got like, what, one, two, three, four, five teams out here. Yeah. So. Well, they're talking about putting a team in Oregon, so maybe they will eventually and structure things out a little bit more. Yeah, they should put one in, well, not really. I was going to say they should put one in Vegas, but then that would wipe out the 51s. And then where would I spend my money? (laughs) All right, the American League champs. I'm going to go way out on a limb here and say Mariners. All right. Just for the hell of it. Hey, these are how championships are won here in this league. National League champs. Yeah. See, I went with the wild card winner for the AL, but not for the NL. Who you got for the NL? Uh, Cardinals. All right. As I was saying to uh, Rich Dolan when we had him on the show, even though the Yankees won so handedly last year, nobody on the special even picked them to win. So it's like... Yeah, it was because they were doing so crappy for a while. Yeah. Well, crappy for the Yankees. Yeah, and now, you know, now they're, I wouldn't say they're prohibitive favorite, but they're, they've are they gotten their fair share of votes. All right, now to win it all, the Mariners or the Cardinals? Hmm, probably Cardinals. All right. Who won last year? The Yankees. Oh, that's right. What am I saying? Yeah, that's exactly why I said the Cardinals, because I, I, I'm sick of seeing AL teams being uh, cleaning up. Well, the Phillies won last year, so it's not totally – or two years ago, so it's not like – Yeah, but before that, I think it's mostly been AL. And then every All-Star game for, like, the last century. I know. That's maddening because you, you want to – I'm even cheering for the National League in the All-Star game. <laughs> it's like, oh, come on, dude. I think, like, one year – a couple of years ago, they were winning, like, 3-1 to one or something, and then in the top of the ninth, they fucking gave up, like, three runs or something to blow the yeah, game. who was that? That was the game in Yankee Stadium, I think. Oh, okay. But I'm not sure who all the... Yeah, that was the game that went super long, I think, actually. Yeah, because there was some debate, and they were talking about having J.D. Well, that's right, because Steely cut it off one year, and then there was this other long one, and he realized if he did it again, he'd probably be lynched. Right, right. And they were talking about using position players to pitch, and now they changed it so you can, you know, they added a couple extra pitchers, and... Yeah. Yeah, well, after that tie, that's when he added the whole thing about the World Series advantage. So mm-hmm. then it had to be fucking – they had to have a finish to the game. So I kind of like that. I do too, actually, because at least it means – it has some bearing on the overall end right. of the season and everything. Where's the All-Star game this year? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I think part of me wants to say Anaheim, but I think that's actually like in another year. Yeah. But it – yeah. So I'm thinking it must be some National League team. This has nothing to do with baseball. Yeah. But I found it interesting. I was at work bored while uh, people were doing other stuff, and I wondered, when does the next total eclipse come over the United States? It's in 2017, 
and it comes straight over the middle of the United States. It starts in Washington State, goes all the way across the middle of the United States, going southeast, and leaves the coast in, like, North Carolina. It's going to be totally awesome, and I'm going to have to go find a place to, to see it because I want to see a total eclipse of the sun during my lifetime. Well, that's better than a total eclipse of the heart. Yeah, I guess so. Especially <laughs> for, who did that horrible song? Lee Raider. No. Some lady. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but um, Klaus Nomi, the, the weirdo German cross-dressing uh, uh, bisexual um, new wave artist did a song called Total Eclipse of the Sun. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, the uh, the All-Star Game is in Anaheim this year. You should get tickets. Ah, oh, damn it. Now I'm going to have to go spend some more money. Bonnie Tyler is the one who sang Total Eclipse of the Heart. That's right. Remember I, I said Bonnie Raitt, and I was like, no, that doesn't sound right. Um, wow, Anaheim, that's right. At least, you know what you could probably get tickets for is the Home Run Derby, but I don't know. Every year I get excited for it. The first, like, hour is really great, and then by, like, it's somehow they stretch it to, like, fucking three and a half hours, and it's like, uh, you know what else you might like, actually? I wish they'd bring an All-Star game to Boston. Um, They do, like, a celebrity and legends game. Oh, yeah. You might like that, I bet, because uh, they probably mix in Dodger legends. I bet you Tommy Lasorda manages, like, the home team of celebrities or some shit like that. <laughs> he could move. God, he <laughs> can barely move now. Yeah, all right. So I guess that wraps up the baseball special. You have to give us an update if you end up going to the All-Star game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can to try and make it the All-Star game. That would, that would be the, the – I don't use the word awesome, but that would inspire awe. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I bet it – yeah. Because, like, that's a rare – that's not that's even more rare than the playoffs because you have to have, just be lucky enough to have it around you, and then yeah. you got to get the tickets, and it's only one game. So, yeah, I'd be I'd be thrilled to go to an All-Star game. Yeah, it'd be excellent. I went to a – the last time I was at uh, the Angel Stadium was um, – oh, no, it was more – uh, Kimball and I went to see um, – I think Boston played there, so Kimball and I went to see that. Um, before that was uh, a playoff game – and when did the when did the Angels go to the series last time? Like two thousand one with the with the Giants? Yeah, thereabouts. Two thousand one or two, something uh, like that. A playoff game there. I was in the like the second to last row. It was the loudest game I'd ever been to. I think they were in a playoff with the God, not the twins. I can't remember. It was some central some central league division team. I think it was probably the twins, because up until like two thousand four or five, like those other teams were kind of like scraping the bottom of the barrel as it is. So, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice stadium. I, I the first baseball game I ever went to in my life was there because before, we were living in Anaheim at the time. Yeah, but before the new stadium was built, right? No, it's the same stadium. Oh, really? I thought that was like new with the waterfall and the rocks and shit and all that. Renovated it, but I think it's the same stadium. Oh wow. I don't think I don't think they like tore the old one down and built a new one. Oh okay. Because it's in the exact same spot. It's I th I think they still have that big ugly halo looking thing out in the parking lot that looks like an A. <laughs> that's that's been there since I was you know since I was a kid. How long have the Angels been there? Since the early sixties? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, early sixties because they they were the they were the Pacific Coast League Angels. Oh weird. And they played in in um, somewhere in L.A. Um, the Hollywood Stars played at the <laughs> at Gilmore Stadium, which is the Farmers Market, right now. It was next to the Farmers Market. Weird. 
I was watching a Three Stooges short the other day, and it was shot at Gilmore Stadium. It's like, ah, look, it's Gilmore Stadium where the Hollywood stars used to play. <laughs> and the Hollywood stars and the, and the whatever the, the whatever the Angels played for, they apparently hated each other, and they had some of the best fights ever. Like to the point where like cops were called and there were riots and stuff. Oh boy. I have a Hollywood Stars um, jersey I got from a rep- reproduction company. Nice. Yeah. He's hardcore, folks. Just uh, just like I said, had to drag himself out of bed for this. So what's that sort of wraps up the baseball part. What do you have cooking uh, in Greg Bishop land for the rest of 2010? My Falcon article for uh, 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 40 and Times. I've been turned on to a publisher in Europe. We'll see what happens with that. Um, I may just write a book on my own, which is really tough for me. You know, without a publisher or anything. Yeah. And just self-publish it, which sucks, but I might have to do it that way. Sort of along the lines of what Mac did, but a little bit different. Keep doing my show. I don't know. It's funny. Your your whole life gets kind of turned off, and I've been sick basically for like three weeks now off and on. And then the past three or four days I've been so sick I haven't really been able to move too much, so I I can't even think straight. So, as far as I can tell, that's what's going on right now. All right. Well, hey, it was great to uh, get you back on the show. I really appreciate uh, that you stepped up to the plate here. Uh, You could have been on the DL for this year's edition of the special. I was already getting concerned that we would have to put you on the DL, but you've gutted through it and uh, made your presence felt on the annual special. So, thanks a lot, Greg. Okay. I hope I I sounded intelligent and uh, not too insane. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is going to be like a rare, this will be like a collector's item interview now. They'll be like, have you heard the Greg Bishop's when he's sick episode? (laughs) (laughs) It'll be traded like on black market and everything else, so. Yeah, I bet. Uh, Well, you know what? I'm I'm glad you called me up. I'm glad we did it because I I think it made me feel a little bit better. made me feel like I'm, you know, I'm sort of still in it instead of lying on the bed going, ugh. So. Yeah. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Ladies and gentlemen, we are wrapping up the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special here with a very, very special guest. Back in October of 2008, so a very long time ago, this crazy asshole kept emailing me and uh, taunting me about the greatness of the Yankees in contrast to the Red Sox. So when the time came for the 2009 baseball special, I said, put your money where your mouth is, pal, and and join up at the official BOA forum, theusofe.com, and post your picks, and we'll see how you fare against everybody else. And he shocked the world by scoring an amazing 7 out of 11 in the prediction contest, beat not only everybody on the forum, but all of the esoteric superstars who were on the 2009 baseball special. So I was left with a conundrum, and he's actually caused some rule changes in the contest by his sheer success last year. Uh, So he's the overall points winner. We gave Lauren Coleman the title uh, since he appeared on the show, and to make it up to our friend here, we're having him on the program this year on the 2010 baseball special. You can kind of say he's the disputed half-champion of the baseball special, but as of this year now, whoever wins total points altogether gets absolute bragging rights, and the forum winner 
gets the chance to appear on the program. He is a beloved member of the BOA forum, easily one of the coolest dudes on there. Goes by the moniker of Mystery Man, will reveal slightly his identity, only that he is also known as Fred, but for the remainder of the interview we'll call him Mystery Man or M.M. And M.M., we've been talking for a year and a half, and you know, finally get the chance to speak with you in person. Congratulations on your stunning success in the prediction contest last year, and welcome to Banal of America Audio. Thanks, Tim. It's a pleasure to be on. You know, I'm a big uh, listener of yours, and um, it's uh, an honor. Well, it's my pleasure, and I was really excited and stunned, as I said, that you did so well uh, in the contest last year. Hopefully you don't So was I. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to happen again. I don't know. You're doing a lot of bragging on the forum, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll, yeah. see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and as I said, we had no previous experience with this, uh, with someone on the forum beating everybody else. So don't hold it against Lauren, but he appeared on the show, so we gave him the title. But now you're in serious contention for everything, and uh, you know you've resulted in a rule change. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you for, well, ma- it- for making history. Yeah. Well. I was pretty impressed with his picks, you know, um, and I was pretty amazed that, you know, he did as well as he did. Little did I know that I would do so well in the uh, playoff picks, and that's how I ended up with the 7 out of 11. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it was a fluke. Uh, you know, I'm a Yankee fan, and I picked the Yankees, and uh, the the Phillies had won the year before, and I thought it would be, uh, you know, just natural that the, the two teams would meet in the World Series, and I figured uh, it would be a tough match up and I figured, you know, six games would be uh, a pretty reasonable pick and and it ended up that way. So it was know. pretty amazing though. I mean, it was uh, it was pretty amazing to watch it unfold. I think uh it was pretty cool. And you managed to get both National League and American League uh champs right. So it was yeah. it was pretty amazing. Now, yeah. how long have you been a Yankee fan and uh you know, what were you thinking when they won the championship last year? I've been a Yankee fan since uh, I've been 8 years old since I was eight, and, um, yeah, when they, you know, with Reggie and uh, Guidry and Munson and uh, Nettles, Pinella, you know, those guys, uh, they made me Yankee fans, and, um, you know, what a great team. You know, so I've been a fan ever since, and I, I lived through the uh, the terrible 80s, you know, when Steinbrenner was trading away everybody, and then I got to enjoy, you know, finally, you know, after they uh, suspended Steinbrenner and they let the uh, baseball people do their job. They finally uh, created a champion, and they won uh, four championships. And uh, you know, before last year, and uh, you know, '96, '98, '99, and 2000, and um, you know, it was a pretty great ride. And uh, and then I became very spoiled, and I thought they would win every year, and they didn't win from uh, 2000 to 2009. You know, finally uh, they won again, and. Uh, it was pretty exciting, you know, as you know, because uh, your Red Sox finally won. So uh, it's pretty exciting when your team wins, and hopefully they'll win next year. That's what you're hoping, but we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to Sunday already because it's already Yankees-Red Sox showdown. It's going to be a war on the forum as usual. Yeah, it's hard to believe that we're already uh, we're already going to be beginning the next season. I mean, uh, the 2000 season, I think it's going to be a great season, and um I think the uh I think the Yankees are going to do very well and I think I don't think it's going to be as easy. Uh I think the Devil Rays improved. I think uh you know the the uh the Sox are always tough so we'll see. 
Now, so where do you, you want to start? What's that? Where do you want to start with the uh, the American League, the Yankees? Should I start or? Just hold on a minute. I know you want to get your predictions out there, but we have more to talk about. So what about uh, these two guys that left the Yankees? Were you happy to see them go? Unhappy? I mean, they were kind of breaking down a little bit. I'm talking about Matsui and Johnny Damon. Yeah, that's uh, pretty devastating. I mean, you have two guys that are uh, very clutch and, uh, you know, had a lot to do with them winning the championship, you know. And um, it's very difficult. You know, I, I would have re-signed them. But, um, you know, they, that's, they, you know, like you said, they're up in age there, and they do have some injury problems. And, you know, as a matter of fact, Damon, you know, was uh, taken out of the last game of the World Series last year. And it's a good thing that they had, you know, they had uh, already the game in hand, or else, you know, who knows what, what could happen, losing that kind of a bat. But um, I like Grandison. I think Grandison is a very exciting player, although he has a reputation of not hitting uh, lefties. Nick Johnson, the guy's always hurt all the time. So uh, I don't know how good a replacement he's going to be. Uh, you know, I, I'm excited about a, a prospect that the Yankees have. Uh, his name is Jesus Montero. And they project him to hit uh, in the future about 40 home runs. He's a catching prospect. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he's almost ready. And I think he can be a wild card. I think he could, could make a big difference if, if they bring him up midseason. Um and uh, I think, you know, I like getting Vas – they got Vasquez, and I think he's an improvement at the end of their starting rotation. Yeah. Hughes, they made a starter, and um, I prefer him in the bullpen. Job is finally – he finally found his place in the bullpen. But I think Hughes is going to end up uh, – I think, uh, you know, if we do – if they do make the playoffs, and I'm sure they will, uh, that Hughes will find his place uh, back in the bullpen for the playoffs. And, uh, you know, I mean, the rest of the team is, uh, you know, already set, you know? Yeah. You know, so I project, I think the Yankees are going to, you know, win. I think they're going to win the division. And um, I think the Red Sox, uh, although they improved, I don't think they improved enough. I think they're going to, it's going to be a tough competition. I think the Yankees are still a better team. But I also think that the, the, um, the Devil Rays have also improved. And the Orioles. And, and, yes, the Orioles. But I think the Devil Rays are um, going to – I think the Devil Rays are going to win the wild card. So, <laughs> yes. believe it or not, yeah. I think the Red Sox aren't going to make it this year. I'm sorry to break it to you. It's okay. It's okay. I've heard it in other places, not on the show yet, but it's good yeah. to, you know – that you're uh, taking a and risk here. You'll be surprised by some of the picks. Later tonight, after I get off the phone with you, I'll post all the guest picks, so you'll have a chance to see those. Sorry to hurt your feelings, but it's okay. I just don't okay. see... I don't think they improved enough. Um, I think... Uh, they need more you know, bats. Excuse me? They need more... They need a better bat in the lineup. Yeah. The and, pitching uh, is okay, but... Yeah, and they're pitching, you know... I mean, they got Lackey, and Lackey's a very good pitcher. You know I like Lackey. And I wanted him on the Yankees, but I don't know uh, if it's enough. Uh, like you said, their bat—they need another bat. Their—they—they—they're—they're—they're—they're um, hitting is uh, is pretty good, but uh, without Manny Ramirez and, and Ortiz, they're not the same as they were, you know, in the uh, early to mid uh, part of the last decade. So um, 
You know, I think they have their work cut out for them, and I really don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Now, uh, what, now what's the difference, uh, as a native New Yorker, what's the difference between a Mets fan and a Yankee fan? Is it like a geographical thing? Um, between, well, uh, I live in Met country, so. Okay, yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, and so, um, yeah, my dad grew up in the Bronx, and, uh, he pretty much, you know, he had a, a big part in getting me interested in the Yankees, and, um, uh, you know, but I, I grew up in, uh, in the Queens area, so, well, what's the difference between the Mets and the Yankees? Winning and losing. <laughs> Oh, the Mets fans. You know, the Mets, they have a, a complex, you know, because the Yankees win all the time. And, uh, you know, the Mets hate the Yankees, and they hate us Yankee fans. And, uh, you know, I like it that way. <laughs> and I like, uh, I like, I loved it when we beat them in 2000. There was no better high than that. You know, if I if we lost to them, I think I would have killed myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that shows you how big a Yankee fan I am. So, um... Have you had you know, the chance to go to the new stadium yet? Uh, not yet, but I hope to do it soon. And um, it's a beautiful stadium, but it's uh, it's not the same as the old Yankee Stadium because uh, that's where, you know, I mean, I, I, I went as a kid, and uh, that was the real stadium. You know, even though it was renovated, it was uh, – I love that stadium. So, I mean, the, the new stadium is, is beautiful, and uh, it's big, much bigger than the old Yankee Stadium. But, you know, I mean, it's, you know, surprising. It's amazing. You know, they won the first year. They won the championship the first year it opened. And, um, but, you know, the the old stadium is gone now. They pretty much tore it down. So, you know, yeah. on to the new stadium and many championships in the new stadium, let's hope. Well, I hope. For your sake, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get down to business here, mystery man. Let's do the predictions. You've got the New York Yankees for the AL East, correct? Correct. Okay, now American League Central, who do we have for you? Okay, American League Central, I picked the Tigers. All right. And why do I pick the Tigers? Because <laughs> they got Johnny Damon, and I think he he always makes a difference on the team if the guy's healthy. The guy, I saw him do it with the Red Sox. I saw him do it with the Yankees. And now that traitor is on the Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> now you know how we felt. So, absolutely. But... <laughs> You know, I didn't mind it as long as he was on the Yankees, but now, you know, I'm a little ticked at him. But well, he's a mercenary. Yeah, I you think he's that. a fool because, you know, he had a great thing with the Yankees. I mean, what, you know, what better team than to be on than the Yankees, you know? I mean, uh, you know, I mean, but, you know, I'm sure the the Tigers will do uh, a pretty, you know, they'll do good with him. They'll do well with him. I think, uh, you know, I think they'll win uh, 95 games. Oh, wow. And um, they have very good pitching, you know. They have uh, Justin Verlander and uh, Pacello, and um, the back end of that rotation uh, is, is okay. I mean, they have Bonderman, Robertson, uh, Scherzer. If they meet the Yankees, I think they're going to give us a tough time, you know, if we ever faced them in the playoffs. And uh, very good team, and uh, they got Phil Coke, you know. Mm-hmm for uh, Grandison and the Grandison deal. Yeah, yeah. So. And um, they have a lot of lefties in there. You know, so that's that doesn't bode well for Grandison if he f- goes up. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you know they're a pretty tough team. Okay, I think RSS so, will be happy with your call there. Yeah. All right, American League West. Okay, American League West. I picked the Mariners. Okay. And a I lot of improvements for the Mariners this year. So. Yes, and um, I think you know uh, Leon Hernandez. I mean, two great pitches. 
the Smith, Roland, uh, Snell, Fister, you know, pretty good pitchers. The hitting is a little weak. You know, I mean, they have Ichiro and uh, Ichiro, excuse me, and uh, Figgins yeah. at the top. And then, uh, you know, you got uh, Bradley Griffey, who's, you know, washed up. And uh, in the bullpen, you got, you know, some very good arms in the bullpen for the Mariners. And um, so I, I picked them, and uh, I think that they can win, uh, you know, uh, in the mid-90s, you know, 93 games maybe. Um, great pitching, you know. I mean, although I think they could use a bat. And um, Yeah, so, I think it's a weak division in general, so I think they're in good shape. Yeah. The Angels have finally come down to the level of the other teams, so. Yeah, they need pitching. They lost Lackey, and uh, they need another pitcher. Yeah, uh, and then the wild card. I picked the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Okay, well they're just the and Devil. They're just the Rays now. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> I'm just teasing you, dude. <laughs> Rich Dolan kept calling them the Devil Rays too. Yeah. Well, we're stuck in the past. <laughs> okay. I think their pitching is great, and I think um, they. I mean, they have. Uh, you know, their lineup is very strong. I mean, their pitching. I mean, they got. Uh, Five good arms. They got Shields, Gaza, Neiman, Price, Davis, and um, yeah, they're an outstanding team. They're just, yeah. I mean, they have prospects galore, and uh, they're going to be very tough. They have Soriano in the bullpen. They have a very good lineup. They have uh, Carl Crawford, the future Yankee, <laughs> and uh, they have uh, Pena, Bartlett, Longoria, B.J. Upton, uh, Ben Zobris. They got a great lineup. Yeah, they're just and, they're, yeah, they're going to be tough. And they're going to be very tough on my team and your team. Absolutely, yeah. Well, at least we're guaranteed each team will be guaranteed the Red Sox and the Yankees at least two more wins each now that we don't have to deal with Roy Halladay. So that's always good, right? That's right. Yeah. But Roy Halladay, um, he's getting a little up there in age. I don't – I wasn't uh, – I didn't think that, that uh, giving up uh, Cliff Lee for uh, Halladay was that great of an idea. I mean, if, you, if you're going to make a trade, you want to get both of them on the same – in the same rotation, you know, I don't know uh, how much the Phil. Well, we'll get to the Phillies next. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so okay. National League East, you got the Phillies. Yeah. So I got the Phillies, and um, the Phillies have you know an excellent team, and I, I you know, I can't see them uh, see them being beat in the Amer- in the National League East. Uh, you know, they got very good pitching. Uh, they got Halliday. They got uh, Cole Hamels. They got Joe Blanton. Uh, J. A. Uh, Happ. Um, you know, so they have. Uh, Good pitching, you know. They have, uh, you know, probably the best pitcher in baseball in Halliday, and so. Uh, but their bullpen is uh, something, uh, you know, that they're going to have trouble with. They're going to have to really get, you know, find a reliable uh, pitcher or two for the bullpen. And uh, from what I was reading up on them, uh, they're, they're struggling uh, in the um, in spring training. Uh, Contreras and Bastardo are struggling very much. Lidge, you know, he's a head case. Yeah. So, you know, they, so there's they could some, use... Yeah, there's some uh, cracks in the in the facade. Right. But their lineup is maybe the second best in baseball. You know, if, you, if you're going to say the Yankees have the, the best, I mean, I they scared the hell out of me in the World Series. I mean, Utley, that guy, I mean, what a... I mean, I've never seen a more clutch hitter than Utley. And um, what he did to the Yankees in the World Series, I mean... I think outdid what uh, Reggie did in the 70s. Unbelievable. You know, it, it didn't uh, hurt that the Yankees pitched to him. I wouldn't have pitched to him. You know, I couldn't believe they were pitching to him. 
you know, the balls they were giving him. And um, yeah. unbelievable performance in the World Series. And I would love to have him on the Yankees. And who knows? Maybe they will. <laughs> they get everybody else, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a Yankee fan, but I have to admit that myself. Anyway. Okay. But, now um, the the, uh, the National League Central. Okay. The National League Central, I picked the Cardinals. Okay. They have very good pitching. They have uh, Penny, Carl Loesch. They have... Uh, Garcia, Wainwright, Carpenter, and um, they have Ryan Franklin as their closer. So very good uh, pitching. Their lineup is excellent, you know, one of the best. Uh, they have a very good lineup. Uh, Schumacher, Lopez, Pujols, who's maybe the best hitter in all of baseball. They re-signed Holiday, and they have um, Rasmus, Ludwig, Molina, Ryan, and... Um, Excellent team, and I think a, a contender for the for the championship, uh, without a doubt. So, uh, so they're your pick for the Central. Right. Okay, now the National League West, which is uh, always a toss-up. Who you got? Okay, um, the West, I have to say the Dodgers. Okay. And um, they have good pitching, and uh, they have uh, Clayton Kershaw, Billingsley, Hiroki uh, Kuroda. They have uh, Vincente Padilla, and... Uh, there's a toss-up from what I read from for the fifth uh, starter, but then you got their uh, their pen. They have an excellent pen, yeah, Braxton, yeah. and uh, you know he had 36 saves and 114 strikeouts. Yeah, they have a great bullpen. So you know I, I see them, uh, and you know they got Tory. Yep. At the helm, and um, so you know, and then they got I don't know about Manny. I mean, you know, I think he's seen his uh, his better days go by, but. Uh, you know they have some pretty good. You know they got they got Athier and they got Corolla, they got Fracal, and uh, so uh, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna win the West, and um, I think uh, I don't know if they're a contender for the championship. I don't know if I think they're they're missing a little something, but I think they'll definitely win their division. Okay, and wrapping up the uh, divisions and, and all that, uh, who do you have for the National League Wild Card? Okay, for the National League Wild Card. Uh, I picked the Braves. Oh. I think the Braves are on the upswing. Shades are um, my prediction. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's who I have in the wild card, too. You're a very smart man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I pick, uh, I pick the Braves, and um, they have, you know, some pretty good pitching. And uh, they, you know, they have De – I, like, I always liked Derek Lowe, and I always wanted him on the Yankees, you know. I mean, he did a good job for uh, your Red Sox. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they got Tim Hudson. You know, I, I like them. Uh, they're hitting. They got, you know, some good hitters. They got, you know, including uh, Glaus, you know, Chipper Jones. They got Hayward. That center fielder there, the rookie, he's supposed to be unbelievable, too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, they, they have some pretty uh, pretty good prospects out here. And um, and then their pen, you know, they got Wagner and, uh, and Sato. So uh, I think they're going to win the wild card, and uh, I don't think they're championship contenders, but I do think they will win the wild card. All right. Now, American League champions, who you got? Okay, American League champions. Let me think. Mm -hmm. uh, the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All I right. think about that a second. Okay. And then the National League champs. National League champs. I predict the Yankees and the Phillies in the World Series again, and I'll pick the Yankees in six again. Wow. All right. And uh, really going out on a limb. All right. So you got the Yankees and the Phillies in the World Series and Yankees winning it. Right. I'll even Yankees put, and Phillies yeah. again, the two best teams in baseball, in my opinion. All right. I'll even put Yankees in six. And that'll add an additional 
prediction contest just between you and me. Red Sox play the Yankees 18 times this season. What's yeah. your prediction on the record there between the two of them? You I know, think like, it's going to be I think it's going to be a draw. A 9 and 9? Yeah. All right. Well, just to be different then, I'll say 10 and 8 for the Sox. Okay. Big difference. <laughs> <laughs> well, you okay. you played it you, you you made it a push there on that, so I had, I had to come up with something. Yeah, well, the Yankees and the Red Sox, I mean, they always they play always each other split to the it. death. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. it's it's the best. I mean, you know, it's it doesn't get better than that, you know? I mean, Yankees and Red Sox, it's just it's the best. I mean, that's baseball. And, it's it's um, only a few days away now. Yep. You know, it's uh, it's going to be a really interesting seri- uh, season, and, um, uh, you know, it's going to be very di- it's gonna be very tough between um, – the Yankees, the Devil Rays, and the Red Sox, but like I said, I don't think the Red Sox did enough. Although, you know, I mean, they, they do have some good prospects, so you never know. Prospects are a wild card. They can always make a difference. Yeah. And, you know, like I was saying, Jesus Montero of the uh, the Yankees, I'm hearing the world, you know, the great, great things about this guy, you know. I mean, that he's just a, you know, a professional hitter. I mean, the guy's already, he's a polished, you know, he's ready to, to do it in the major leagues already, I'm hearing. By mid-season, he can make a big difference, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know he's a catcher, so uh, Posada's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's going to be uh, a little competition there. Uh, but you know, from what I hear, he's 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 not a very polished uh, catcher at this point. So uh, you know, maybe they'll probably give him some DH uh, at bats. Well, those are your predictions, so we'll keep an eye on those. Right. And uh, what do you have coming up? Any speaking engagements? Any books you want to plug? Just that, uh, you know, I'm an artist, I'm a painter, and um, my paintings are going to be uh, shown on your forum, and, uh, you know, I hope everybody enjoys them. That's about it. Yeah, I was just teasing you. I know you don't have any books or speaking engagements coming up, so I figured I'd no. treat you just like all the rest of the guests. But we right. do have uh, coming up at the official BOA forum, and we'll also uh, make note of it at Ben All of America. We're going to be showcasing some of your paintings coming soon, and... Um, you say you have a masterpiece that's in the works, so I'm in looking forward to that. Is it in the same vein as your infamous Yankee Snowman, or is it more along the lines of your more traditional style? No, I'm pretty much. Uh, I'm, I, I pretty much. Uh, I love doing birds more than anything. Uh, I, I love doing na- nature scenes, and um, it's it's a bird picture, and that's in an autumn scene, and uh, you know I hope everybody likes it. You know when it's finally finished. And, yeah. Uh, I appreciate all the uh, all the razzing about the Yankee Snowman, and uh, <laughs> you know, keep on razzing uh, throughout the baseball season when the Yankees uh, take it again. And uh, that's the Yankee mascot on the on the BOA form. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, hopefully it'll bring us good luck. So, absolutely. Well, hey, uh, Fred, aka Mystery Man, thanks for being a good sport about this. I really appreciate that you uh, wanted to come on the show. And you've been a huge supporter of Ben All of America for a long time, so it's been great to uh, get you on the program here. And I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of the forum denizens, not only their feedback on your appearance, but also on your really cool paintings that they haven't got a chance to see yet. And I think we're going to really take them by surprise because they're totally different from the Yankee Snowman. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing the shock and uh, awe that I have a feeling we'll see from the forum posters uh, when we showcase your work. And like I said, thanks again for coming on the show and for your continued support of the program. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, all I have to say uh, is uh, please be kind, everybody. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, could be nice people on the forum, but uh, could be a little uh, a little cool sometimes. <laughs> oh, no, don't say that. But, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. In a, in, a, in a, you know, a friendly way. He's talking to you, RSS. You better quit picking on him. Yeah. Oh, RSS is a great guy. No, RSS is great. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. That does it for the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special. want to give a huge, huge thanks to all of the great folks who made appearances here on this year's festivities. Lauren Coleman, Adam Go-Rightly, Jason Offit, Paul Kimball, Richard Dolan, Greg Bishop, and the USV.com's Mystery Man. You guys are awesome. I look forward to following the baseball season along with you this year and reconnecting not only at the end of the season when we all pour over our predictions, but also next year as we look ahead to the 2011 baseball season. You can find links to the websites of all these great folks at BOA on the show page where you found this week's edition of the program. And you can find a ton of interviews with all these great folks, except for Mystery Man, of course, at Banal of America. They've all been on BOA Audio numerous times in the past, so be sure to check out their lengthy interviews in our archive page. Moving right along now, since this episode was mammoth, We're going to skip listener feedback. That way, nobody gets the short shrift here in the feedback portion of the show. We'll bring it back on the pure BOA audio episode, which you're going to be hearing in a couple days. So sit tight for some more BOA audio listener feedback coming at you in about 48 hours or so. If you want to get a hold of me, that's simple. There's three methods to do it. You can either write to boaaudio at hotmail.com or go to Banal of America and click the contact button or you can go to the official BOA forum, theusofe.com, T-H-E-U-S-O-F-E.com. That's where you can post your thoughts on the latest editions of BOA Audio as well as join up in the many cool contests we have on the forum There's still about five days left for people to join up on the Baseball Predictions Contest and get the chance to possibly appear on the 2011 edition of the Baseball Special. So you got the email address, the contact button at the website, or the official BOA forum, theusofe.com. Any of those methods puts your correspondence into my hands for future editions of BOA Audio listener feedback. Up next is the thanks portion of the show. Let me give a hearty kudos and thanks to the esteemed and infamous BOA staff, Leslie, Chiron, Regan Lee, Joe V, Tina Senna, Rochelle Hawks, Richard Thomas, A.M. Murphy, Marla Pena, our contributing cartoonist, Andy Carolan, and our webmaster, Jeremy Boston. They have been holding up the fort at BOA For the last few weeks while I've been on vacation, I want to give them a huge thanks for that. So much material that I really could not go down the list of what they've posted at Banal of America. just want to give you all a recommendation to go over to BOA and check out their columns. Lots of thought-provoking stuff from the BOA staff. And Jeremy Boston and I have been working very hard to have all the final details worked out, hoping to get BOA 2.0 rolled out officially 
in the next few weeks. So stay tuned to Banal of America for that. As we say week in and week out, if you're only listening to BOA Audio and you're not reading the columns at Banal of America, you're only getting half the story. BOA, make it a part of your everyday search for esoteric news and opinion. And now it's the time of the show where I turn to you with my handout and ask for donations to the program and the website. The cost of putting together a program like this and making it available for free to all the great BOA Audio listeners around the world does add up. And I'd say the vast majority of those expenses come out of my pocket in particular with help from the amazing BOA listeners who make donations. As such, I now turn to all you great folks out there who may not have made a donation yet or who may want to make a second donation and ask you to help us out and help to pay the bills at BOA HQ. How do you make a donation? That's simple. You just go to Banal of America or the BOA Audio Archive page. You'll see the PayPal button there. Click that. They'll walk you through the process. It's very, very easy. No donation is too small, and all donations go towards Banal of America and BOA Audio to keep the entire enterprise up and running, freely available, and commercial-free for all of our great readers and listeners the world over. Normally here I would say next week on the program, but actually you're going to get another episode of BOA Audio this week because in years past we've had listeners who are not happy with the baseball special. They're not baseball fans. They don't listen to the program. And since we've been off the proverbial airwaves for over a month now, I want to make sure that the esoteric purists got their fair share of BOA Audio here in our big return week. So, later this week, probably Wednesday evening, maybe Thursday morning, you're going to get another edition of BOA Audio that is jam-packed with esoteric goodness for the non-baseball fans out there. We're going to have a special dual guest conversation with Bill and Nancy Burns of UFO Magazine and UFO Hunters. I envision this conversation as sort of a fly-on-the-wall look at the ufology's power couple and I've dubbed it Dinner with the Burnses. And it really is sort of a unique experience as you'll kind of get the chance to feel what it would be like if you went out to dinner with Bill and Nancy Burns. I pretty much just ask a question and then get out of the way and let them play off of each other. It's really, really quite an entertaining conversation. We're going to find out about the demise of UFO hunters and what seemed to go wrong as the program faded with a whimper instead of a bang. We're going to hear about Bill and Nancy's entrance into the world of ufology via the book The Day After Roswell. We'll get their perspective on today's world of UFO studies and tons and tons more. The conversation goes down a whole series of different side roads and avenues. It's really a very organic edition of BOA Audio. It is a fun, fast, and fascinating glimpse behind the curtain with two of ufology's biggest power players, Bill and Nancy Burns. And then, in addition to that, rounding out the big ten guests here for BOA Audio this week, we welcome Micah A. Hanks back to the program for a post-show stop-and-chat. A sort of mini-interview tacked on to the end of the episode where he'll tell us all about his new book, Magic, Mysticism, and the Molecules. You want to definitely... Stick around for that as well. Bill and Nancy Burns, along with Micah A. Hanks later on in the program, coming at you on BOA Audio in a few short days. 
stay tuned to that. It is a pure esoteric edition of BOA Audio for all our non-baseball fans out there. And for all the baseball fans, you're getting a double dose of BOA Audio this week. And on that note, we close the book on the 2010 BOA Audio Baseball Special. Once again, big thanks to all seven of the guests who appeared on this year's festivities. It was bigger and better than ever, and I have all those great folks out there who joined us for the special to thank for that. As noted, you'll be hearing from me in a few days, so I'm just going to wrap it up here. Until next time, this is Tim Benall, thanking you for listening and signing off.